probably recognize that song because it could only come from one movie. It's Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It, by Big Fun, our favorite band as fans of Heather's. Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It, Teenage Suicide, She Blew It, Teenage <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. Do you know the Queen song, uh, Don't Try Suicide? It's not that far away from this. Right, right. Uh, joining me, Peaches Christ and Sherry Torn. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on Movie Club. It's so exciting because, you know, you are quite a movie buff. I do I love know. movies. Yeah. You put us to shame. I'm like, oh, we need to do our homework. We need to take notes. We need to get ready for this. Yeah, it's true. And <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, because, you know, you've turned so many people on to so many great movies with your Midnight Mass and uh, through your adaptations. My caveat is just that I um, am a big movie nerd and I love movies, but I'm not a great retainer of trivia or information. Thank you. Perfect. I feel that way all the time. Like I make movies for a living and my worst question is, oh, tell me your most favorite or influential movies. I'm like, you mean today? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This week? Like it changes constantly. It's the quickest way to make someone go blank. I've been trying to reformat the like, I'm just like, what are some movies you like or movies you've seen? That's right. Yeah, that come to mind because the favorite, when you were on the first time, I asked you the favorite movie question and it was like, that was the only moment of panic and I I understood and I understood. It's a lot of pressure. People are like, you make movies. Well, you should have great answers. And I'm like, I do, but not right now. <laughs> Get back to me. What I do is now, I just refer to the posters on my wall now. I'm like, well, you had Hedwig, and then To Live and Die in L.A., right. and then either Goodfellas or... Um, casino pops up and then uh-huh. i'm covered and i get that question a lot in the listener questions and i still kind of go blank what's great about your choices is that they're very different films <laughs> yeah i mean part, part of my problem is i go down the road of well who knows i don't know i, I feel like i'd have to choose a hundred okay know, sure well if, if you yeah. wanted to pick a couple right now a favorite movie sure or once <laughs> things well, on your I mind can say things that were like seminal for me uh were female trouble yeah um the john Wall and pink flamingos and the rocky horror picture show sure and poltergeist psycho mm-hmm. um and it's funny because I, I forget sometimes to say rocky horror picture show but it's absolutely one of the most influential but movies it's like it's so life. assumed it's like it's so yeah. you're like oh forget that no but at the same time it's not like that tells a thing like i don't i love john waters but like for me it was crybaby like i'm from right. the south all of that racial tension that right. like i'm a good girl i'm not good girl gone bad like when i look at all the movies that were super influential to me that is my shit right uh-huh. there like take that and like corrupt the innocence like that <laughs> is my trope what are, what are a few others of those like grease right with bad yeah. sandy oh my god grease was so good yeah oh, that bad sandy reveal like i i'd make that move like i feel like i live in that moment for the rest <laughs> of my life and i live that moment you know like i had that i was Victorian. i did so good like no one had any idea i was being such a bad girl until they were like oh you have a slave contract <laughs> 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 so it's like, oh my god that, <laughs> that like not only are you like l- being led down the trail but like you have sold the whole entire farm <laughs> like, there's no going right. back right that was your version of the skin type black pants yeah right the slave contract 100 percent. Right. john waters it's hard for me to pick a favorite between female trouble and polyester i go back and forth i always say Early John Waters, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of like that. you go through this immersion mm-hmm. period of the films from you know Multiple Maniacs up to Hairspray, sure, and whatever order you saw them in. If right. you're a weirdo, <laughs> if they speak to you, yes. they're all kind of of similar value. It's right. true. That's I have to true. say, Hairspray was very similar for me. It's like it's all about that racial tension, yeah, because I grew up in South Carolina, like 
you don't even realize racial tension is happening until someone presents the concept to you and then you're like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly eye-opening. And so to have those sort of moments where it's like, it's not like the movie is about racial tension. It's just influential. You can't separate it from the narrative and it sneaks in to certain people. Like those were two movies that got played on cable. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like well, it's how Hairspray I got exposed. Is, I mean, you know, right. it is like that's what's so genius about it is he made a, a colorful, campy comedy that at its core is about segregation mm-hmm. 100%. and really presents it in a, in, a, in a new way, which was like, this is awful and this is how it was and how you know underdogs can relate right so it was like the fat girl you know right Mm -hmm. right uh Mm -hmm. it's such a great movie because that's the true transgressive Mm -hmm. quality of it is here's john waters who was pretty much an x-rated filmmaker the pope of puke you know a filth elder who who made movies that children could not see (laughs) we're not allowed to see we had to sneak around and find them then he makes a family-friendly film pg that everyone brought their kids to sure that at yes. its core mm-hmm. is about racism and yeah. how wrong it is right and get shown on cable as yeah. like a yeah. made for tv movie practically yeah. right. with amazing and then adapted parts into, it out yeah. Yeah. The biggest broadway show for a while and then Huge. yeah and then also the the bias against tracy yeah there's a lot lot going on in that and, and her there's little a little nerdy best friend like oh it's so good well i love that and <laughs> also i think it's my favorite john waters cameo when he's yeah. the doctor. Come on, yeah. Penny. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Another film about uh, sort of marginalized characters in a way is Heathers. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I'm like, true no. film club. We're no, ready. I mean, I'm <laughs> encouraging this. this is, I like this. I like the little tributaries and alleyways <laughs> right. that, that we go into. This is part of the fun about talking about movies on Movie Club. Heathers came out in 1988. We start off with a question from Lindsay Rose, who wants to know, Peach is my hometown queen and Gregory, my future secretary of state, and implicitly Cherry Torn as well, because this was a, <laughs> an addition after the question was asked. The questions are, what do you think is the most iconic moment of Heathers? And we'll start with you, Peaches. The most iconic moment? Mm-hmm. My goodness. I uh, This is the favorites thing. This is this is the yeah, tricky bit. It's really, really tricky because that, that film is just so incredible. But I think because of what it's about and who it's about. Yes. You know, I mean, I think one of the most iconic moments is when just before Heather Chandler you know, smashes into that glass coffee table and she says the words corn nuts. Absolutely. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, here's the, I mean, it's the darkest comedy and what's happening is so dark and so awful. And you, you kind of realize in that moment, oh, they're really doing this. They're really mm-hmm. going there. Mm-hmm. This is happening. I'm not going to drink that piss. I knew this stuff would be too intense for <laughs> Intense. Grow up. You think I'll drink it just because you call me chicken? Just give me the cup, jerk. (laughs) 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 I mean, it just, it's that that is the movie. It really is. She is incredibly miserable in every way. At the college party in particular, I'd forgotten about the scene where after she blows the guy, she spits at herself in the mirror. Yeah. Like the level of self-hatred in it, which you're not really uh, sort of aware of with her until that. That moment, yeah. right? And and then the sweet 
afterlife moment you know mm-hmm. my afterlife is so boring yeah right. you actually kind of feel for her in right, a way you know right. but it's that spitting moment that changes it you, yeah that really it, it it's brings the the high school bitch to a deeper level because it's like she didn't really want to be blowing the guy she doesn't like herself she's just yeah. doing whatever she can and that whole scene outside with the fire going and <laughs> yeah. that confrontation that dialogue there no that's incredible that yeah, yeah, is yeah. one of my favorite um moments that might be the most i mean i can't choose just one well but i think that, you know that whole sequence the whole yeah. party sequence because re-watching it this time and i hadn't seen it in a number of years i don't think i realized when i was a kid watching it that clearly veronica has been roofied Right, right, right. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's I guess why the beer is on fire or something. You know, as a kid, you mm-hmm. just think it's this like sort of cool thing that's going on because also right. the movie does exist in a semi dreamscape. It does. It's a fantasy kind of movie. It totally. Yeah. It's like when it goes to the dream sequence, you're not even really aware. Right. For right. Three minutes. It does, and it does all of that clever shit which we don't do anymore because we just hammer people over the head with what's actually happening. But it, <laughs> right. there's all this implication, and if I you're not yes. paying yeah. attention, you could miss it. Like even the bulimia moment, you're yeah. like. Oh, wait, yeah. You're like, wait, what? Wait, did that just happen? Yeah. Grow up, Heather. Believe me, is so 87. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I just want to say as a whore, like, I, okay, there's only, there are two incredibly relatable moments in this. I can't say iconic. I will say relatable for me moments where I'm like, oh, okay, that's real. Like, not only does she go into the stall to make herself puke, but, like, her gag reflex is so gone, she needs a friend to do it. Right. And, like, I've right. said that a million times. People have been like, oh, do you have an eating disorder? And I'm like, hell no. If I, like, my gag reflex is so gone, like, to be bulimic, <laughs> I would need someone to fucking fuck my face all the time. Like, you know, right. it's, it's like a, it's like being tickled. Like, you can tickle yourself, but you can't, like, right. have someone else. But, like, that bonding moment, like, yeah. and the fact she's done it a million times before, and, like, it was just so casual. Yeah, they're so regular about it they're just like oh yeah can have another look at today's lunch true friends work is never done (laughs) and then later when um heather is killed shannon doherty is suddenly able to eat her like ham hock or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, right, she's right. like in the in the locker room just like honking off a rib and they're like <laughs> Watch it, Heather, you might be digesting food there. Yeah, where's your urge to purge? Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I love that. And then that moment where they're um Okay, I can't totally remember the scene, but there's sort of oh, that's what it is. And she comes back from that date where like they have the horrible with the drunk guy and oh, then he's yeah, like yeah he's come and gossip to like all the people in the school around her and said that like she had this threesome and got spit roasted okay, or whatever. I rarely listen to Neanderthals like Kurt Kelly, but he said that he and Ram had a nice little sword fight in your mouth last night. You know what I mean? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> 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 so relatable. It's like they know it's not true, and but this, they want to believe it's and true. And the way they're he's like, like don't you know mean? what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we were talking earlier about how Pretty much every guy in this movie is loathsome. I mean, maybe not Veronica's dad, right? But Christian Slater, obviously, mm-hmm. problematic. Yeah. Uh, Kurt and Ram, obviously. Yeah. But then even that guy. He's seemingly the nice guy. Yes, yeah. But he's not. Which is, he's isn't not. that right. just the That's fucking right. lesson of life that the nice mm-hmm. guy is yeah, the yeah, one yeah. you need to look out for the fucking most? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's kind of bragging about how him and Heather went out. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, yeah, at the funeral, he's like, yeah, you know, Heather said it was boring, but like, obviously she just hated her life. <laughs> <laughs> and then the TV coverage when he's talking about how he bought her the rhino yeah. at the fair. I love too the, the, the general overall 
worldview that the movie presents, which is also summed up by the mother later on when she's like, well, you kids want say you want to be treated by like a human being. It's usually because you're being treated like a human being. How do you think adults work? Right. <laughs> That's yeah. so accurate. The, the, the movie, uh, as far as iconic moments go and just like listening to this stuff, I'm realizing like it's kind of like a John Waters movie in a way. Right. If you look at an early John Waters movie like Female Trouble, I mean, they're not necessarily perfect movies, but by and large, the dialogue is so inspired mm-hmm. throughout. Like, it's so clever. It's so witty. It's yeah. so, you know, you look at Heathers and you go, every other line is <laughs> right. amazing. Right. The dialogue is incredible. Yeah, and it's a rhythm to it, too. Yes. And almost a rhyming structure, kind of. Yeah. And and it's its own lingo. Like, it's in this dreamscape world, but everything in it is, uh, like, tied to each other. Right. And people wish they could talk like that. We all yeah. aspire. But nobody talks like that. No one. You know, I remember being obsessed with the movie and just, you know, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. You know, all all these lines where it's like a brilliant writer gave these characters this world where they could speak in this (laughs) incredible way. Right. And and also even the the end of fight that we were talking about with uh, the end of the party and the vomit. I mean, the viciousness of Heather Chandler saying, What's your damage? Brad says you're being a real coos. That's just so savage and anti-woman <laughs> no it's totally it's horrible and then she you realize that this molding of um this sort of minion has yeah. been going on since childhood right 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 so it's like she's you know threatening her and basically saying you know i brought you to a rimmington party you know and and you know you were nothing before you met me i right. forget the di- you were yeah a, you should have turned you should have turned it out was that yeah. not why i brought you yeah That's what right. I hear. basically you're my you're to do my bidding and yeah. this extra level which i find very fascinating as a woman is like you don't always realize that the misogyny that hits you deepest comes from the places you don't expect, which is like mm-hmm. other women who have been had misogyny internalized into them or sure. sometimes even gay men who live in such like a male only environment that mm-hmm. like the value of women has been lost. Mm-hmm. Like there is a there's such a balance and that mm-hmm. movie really. I mean, not to the gay side, but like to this moment of like. You know, you That's can see she's the, been the trained. the strangest things about the film, even mm-hmm. for when it came out, is that it was so progressive. Right. And so ahead of its time. It's the first film of its kind post John Hughes, right? Like, so John Hughes had a very specific genre and a very, and those movies are wonderful and delicious. Yeah. But you look back on them now and you're like, whoa, they're so dated. They're so racist. Yeah. They're so misogynistic. <laughs> they're basic, really. They're not made by a progressive they're person. So, yeah, it's so <laughs> white. There are no and, yeah, feminist, like no. alternative, like none of that John Waters undertone. No, yeah. and it's like almost like Heather's was a mirror to that. Like, yeah. oh no, actually, guess what? This is what white high schools are really like. Right. You know, this yeah. is this is how they treat each other. This is, you know, the depth of meanness that can mm-hmm. exist. And of course, then Heather's changed everything, right? right? Because it gave birth to Jawbreaker and Mean Girls. Sure. And, you know, this whole thing where, you know, we we saw the world that way. But being a kid who was like in high school when it came out and yeah. becoming obsessed with it, one thing I will say looking back on it, I'm like, you know, there still wasn't any diversity to it as far sure. as, you know, they were all white, which is the world they lived in. And Really, there would have been queer kids, you know, involved right. with the the sure you know, the the one I you know. There's really there's nothing queer about it other than the way that they talk. There's not, <laughs> although there is some undertone, and perhaps this is just wishful thinking, where you're like, hmm, is Christian Slater's character like a little bit gay? 
<laughs> I don't think so. And if he is, if it's in there, it's still problematic. Yeah. Because I think I mean, it's just us. You know, like, you know. I mean, us as in me personally. Well, is it also <laughs> maybe because he, he, he happens to have the uh, wait these artifacts handy? Got an issue with stud puppy. Great. <laughs> a candy dish. Candy dish. I love that. John Crawford <laughs> A little John Crawford okay. postcard. Some uh, mascara. Mascara. All right. And here's the one perfecto thing I picked up. Mineral water. Oh, come on. A lot of people <laughs> drink mineral water. It's come a long way. Yeah, but this is Ohio. I mean, if you don't have a brewski in your hand, you might as well be wearing a dress. In yeah. the rewatch, now that we're old queers, obviously, because <laughs> you don't see this at all when you're not, is like, well, he sure came up with all of that quite conveniently, and perhaps some of that is convincing. <laughs> and but even that seems so not progressive. I remember even, at, totally, even, yeah. even yeah. at the even at the time, right? It was like these are really dated ideas, <laughs> like, from, like from the fifties, which I guess is part of the joke. But it yeah. did, it of, yeah. feel it did feel like the sort of the. You know, and as a queer kid, you know, I was obsessed. I mean, my yearbook quote is from Heather's. Oh, wow. Which you know, I was obsessed. Yes. Uh, Dear God, let me dream of a world without Heather's, a world where I'm free. Oh, okay. Because my high school was filled with the meanest. I mean, I went to Catholic high school with a lot of rich kids in Annapolis, oh. Maryland. Yeah. You know, lots and lots of blonde, beautiful bitches. Yeah. And I was, I mean, the weird thing about Heather's now uh, is thinking about the fact that I wore the long, I mean, the trench coat, yeah, the the hairstyle. I, you know, I had the Doc Martens. I had the, you know, we had wear uniforms, so you expressed yourself with all this other stuff, sure, because you know your coat, your shoes, those were the, the that's what about, about what you could get away with, right? I mean, I had earrings. The school tried to um, make me take them out. Mm -hmm. My mother, you know, um, said there's nothing in your handbook that says he can't have earrings. You know, my my, my parents were very good at like um, defending my weirdness because I think they realized early on that doing otherwise would backfire yes, you know right um i remember my parents having a thing where you know because i wore and this is so silly to think about now like sex pistols t-shirts or whatever uh -huh. and there was this whole like um quorum at the school uh worrying that i was like a satanist or right. whatever just because i was different and had some troubles in school and everything but was also relentlessly picked on right by some people they didn't want to deal with that right 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 at of all course. and then when there was a situation with a bully they of course would blame me and i would get the detention so it's just uh, that yes. reaffirming the uh, and compounding and that was totally my story yeah and i also stood up for myself and i did kind of become a we leader of the of the weirdos okay yeah. so it was yeah. sort of this thing where the administration and i had tons of horror you know shit all up in my locker and <laughs> You know, I was obsessed with, you know, Penhead, you know, yeah, all sure. so yeah. Satanism and all mm -hmm. that was definitely, I mean, uh, my parents did have a priest uh -huh. come over to bless my bedroom, I guess, one time when I wasn't <laughs> home. Yeah. Um, so there was this sort of concern about me, but... And I think about this now, Heather's coming out when it did, we could enjoy it as a fantasy yeah. in a way that we could not now. And when Columbine happened, yes. um, I remember th sitting there and watching it and being kind of like, 
devastated because in no way, shape, or form was my love of the movie Heathers anything more than a fantasy. Of course. You know, I never actually wanted to murder people. The fantasy of seeing the jocks and the bitches get murdered was fabulous, you know? Yeah. But it was always a fantasy. And I remember with Columbine, it was kind of like, wow, not only do I know that everyone in my high school graduating class is thinking about me today. Oh, right. Because if anyone was going to do that... Right. You know what I yeah, mean? The, the, the trench coat and the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the style. But I was thinking, like, I never in my wildest dreams would have entertained that. No. And now we live in a world where the idea of killing your classmates is just so common, right? And like, even the scene when Christian Slater scares the shit out of the guys with the blanks. Yeah. It, watching that again, because you kind of forget about certain scenes. Right. And you see that and you're like, oh my God. And you know, yeah. you talk about things that would never make it into a movie oh, now. Never. You're like, oh, 2018, forget about it. Yeah. And I actually had that moment because we're from the South. So it's like everybody does hunting, like shooting oh, guns right. is a very normal right. thing. Like someone accidentally coming to school with a gun in their car is actually a very common thing. And <laughs> right. at least when I was in sort of elementary school, middle school, high school, like I graduated in 2003. So, uh, yeah, you can't do that now. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was right, my right. reaction. Be... Seeing that, I was like, oh, you can't do that now. Yeah. But it's kind of the same, like coming from a place like that, which like compared to California, like, bitches, you don't know what goth looks like. Like you're upset about my all black clothes. Police. Like you do not <laughs> even begin to understand. But it was down to like my grandmother being like, I will literally pay you not to dye your hair black. Like that's oh, wow. how much it upsets me. That's how much of a connotation I think it brings. Like that presentation. And this mm-hmm. was before Columbine. Like now, yeah, sure. like now you could look at that sort of look and be like, ooh, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe you're having some emotional <laughs> disturbance. But like back then, it was just well it's it's kind of unfair because it's that thing where it's like i do think there's a difference between the columbine kids and the kids that go to their school and shoot them up they're not the artist weirdo goth kids no no really not not, you know um it's something else but because of the way that played out in the media because they emphasize so much those trench coats and you know um, but i think it i think it goes two ways it's like okay maybe these kids who have found a channel to express themselves are not a threat but perhaps it's the kids who have just as much feelings but have not found that channel to express themselves who are dangerous you know absolutely it's like you find theater you find Mm -hmm. all this extra and you're you, then you find community then you find people then you understand there is something to this life to you know the whole it gets better campaign well, you sure. know, like you have a whole vision around it and then unfortunately when that stuff is stepped on by authorities kids made to feel like bad or parents made to feel freaked out that their kid is maybe interested in theater or whatever music goth whatever then that's a, a real drag too, because you've found your little tunnel and someone's trying to close it. Yes, especially in those gender conforming type of areas and mm-hmm. times where it's like, how dare you? A theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, with your pansy, pansy bullshit. I'm definitely from that sort of area where it's like any type of nonconformity is unacceptable. So in each gender, there are, you know, a whole host of a whole host of things. Yeah. To tell on you. 
Lindsay has another question. She says, would you guys ever do a Peaches and Craig event in San Francisco, but make it for 18 plus for those of us who are not 21, but very close to being? Sure. Sound yeah. fun to me. A live podcast. That, that, that's something yes. that, you know. I would love to do then, that. Then they could see the full drag realness I'm presenting right now. Exactly. I saw exactly. it. I touched right. it. I felt it. I was in the presence of the power. Right. And yeah. it was glorious. Yeah. I'm squinting because of all the, the, the magic glamour yeah. that's coming so, out right now. Exactly. Yeah. so good. I yeah. enjoyed your outlook. Oh God, yeah, it was such a. It was my Rosalind Russell. That is my look. goal yeah. and my like. Mm, yeah. it's, it's not. I can't. My personal look. No one necessarily believes it. I. It's more. You know, Sophie does better at that than I do. She was the governess, so it was very that. You know, she is that Mary Poppins inspired character, so it was very her moment. But I was like, oh, so thank you and it was fun taking a picture next to you with that because you're towering right, with, the, right. with the fucking great hat oh, and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. it's so good yes and so your character good. in Femlins was just a delight I just I loved thank your you. well when we decided we were doing Gremlins it was kind of like I know what character I want to play and someone said she's hardly in the movie I was like I don't care she's my favorite character <laughs> it's Polly Holiday doing Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch yeah. it's not subtle you know you rewatch Gremlins it's like oh she's the Wicked Witch she has yes. come to take the dog away she's I mean even some of the dial and I, I just wanted to be that character and she has the best death sequence you know yeah. she gets launched out of her house by that electric chair <laughs> I know and you came in and you're like what did you think I would be in only one scene <laughs> right. oh I love that yeah I oh, always like when fun. you put those little things in where you're like no 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 I'm I made the show, so yeah. I'm going to do this. This right, is what right. I want to do. And I like that the prank phone calls were from uh, various yeah, the John, John Waters. Waters. Yeah, oh, the, Fim- was... the Fimlins were in the phone. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kel Adams writes, greetings and salutations. Uh-huh. Wow, so many freaking awesome movies are being thrown in the hot dog flavored water pot that is Movie Club. Well, thank you, Kel. I'm gra- glad I'm gra- I'm grad and glad <laughs> that you're enjoying all the selections. A hearty, porky wiener thanks. Heather's is most definitely, alongside Pump Up the Volume, my favorite Christian Slater film. The peak of the late 80s, early 90s teen angst flicks. The cast, the drama, the fuckery, the fashion. This is yet another greatly quotable movie, as we mentioned, so many iconic moments. Teenage Suicide Don't Do It, then the scene with the croquet, Martha Dump Truck, and the Big Fun t-shirt. That is such an incredible image and when she has the indignity of the beverage spilling all over her mm-hmm. before she goes to tape the suicide note on and, and fail at suicide, which is then used against her the best example of how rotten the cool kids in quotes can be to yes. the uh, yeah and i just i have to say in leading up to this that iconic moment of fucking why can't i don't remember his character name christian slater's character oh jd jd, JD going to shannon doherty heather and being like well you know it's your turn Right. Right. <laughs> and then right. Veronica yeah, yeah. is so pissed off that like another Heather has grown in Heather's place as if JD wasn't the one who came all along and was like, Sprout, baby Sprout. Right. Yeah, it's like he <laughs> needs that bad energy in order for yes, him to otherwise justify. Otherwise, there's no reason because then it's just about his own personal negative, like sensitive feelings. And then aren't you just another one of the fucking sheep who is this like emotional? Yeah, and he he masks that all with this tough guy weirdness that's inherited from his dad. And that's a whole other trope that I love in the movie. It's basically saying that these industrial kings are just savage sociopaths. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be okay and uh, people look the other way because clearly there's a history of him getting arraigned but not convicted. He's blowing up the library that his mother happens to go into. But he just moves from town to town because his business is very big. And they get away with it. Even back then, it was kind of like we understood what they were saying. And again, 
I can't, I mean, showing this movie to people of a certain age right now, it has a a completely different impact because young people now have grown up in an era with high school violence, with murder, and with Trump as president. So we were watching this sort of allegory, if you will, Mm -hmm. in this sort of fantasy way of understanding that these are, are ridiculous almost poetic metaphorical ideas about sure. the evil that exists in high school and the evil that exists in capitalist right. corporate America. And now we live in a world where this is normal. Right. Right. That's just insane. Cause when this movie came out, I mean, we didn't have these sorts of news reports. No. We didn't you know, accept it as normal. Even if it was like we had this plausible deniability that we like did. proper and, society would never but go- <laughs> even government, I mean, was it corrupt? Was it awful? Sure. But nothing like nothing what like, we're dealing no. with right now. No, there was the uh, indignities of the end of the Reagan era and then going yeah. into George Bush Sr.'s first thing. But it all seems tame compared to oh, anything it now. It does. And there's yeah. such a nuanced um, take on misogyny where you like, you see everyone from the like rapist football player to like jd being like the yes you know like i'm sort of nice but not i'm like the anarchist like Mm -hmm. in between to like the yearbook guy even being nice but still trying to sexually take advantage of you in that moment or it's like she's trying to defuse the bomb of the school and she's like what below the gym and he's like oh it's the boiler room (laughs) right all suggestive with the boiler room i guess in a way that's a positive change right like so we with the things that are kind of like horrifying are that like um gun violence and and you know our president um you know basically being in bed with russian oligarchs is is our reality right now Mm -hmm. and the bullying that's just taken as rampant but but on the flip side i would hope that young women and young girls in a post i mean there is there is a positive side to these dark sides right where where we have young people who are pushing you know who've elected you know aoc and Mm -hmm. you know push politics in a different direction and there's a post me too movement sure post grab them by the pussy sort of uh women's marches and things where where hopefully now women in high school some would go fuck off you know like you know Mm -hmm. there would be a different response to this sort of thing it's surreal so maybe it's not maybe we we've we're definitely um in a in a, a less a uh, good position in many ways because that was a fantasy and it didn't really feel like it was reality. But then in other ways, I feel like uh, especially young people have grown up disillusioned mm, by the yeah. American dream and understand misogyny and racism and class warfare in a new way. Absolutely. And, and the date rape stuff. Horrifying. That's all oh my through God. the film. Yeah. yeah. Constantly as mm-hmm. if it's just normal. And then the girls are blamed. Yeah, and then the girls blame the girls. Like, that's, like, really the most key part to me. And it is the reality, and it's still the reality. And, like, I feel like as we become more aware of the, like, obviously wrong things, all of these more subtle power dynamic things are everything. That is progress, really, that we have to start looking into the nuance and not just the, like, ooh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Back to the uh, unsavory behavior of the guys at the college party. How's my little cheerleader, huh? I know everyone at your high school isn't so uptight. Come on. Come on now, like, I don't feel so good, okay? Let's do it on the coats, will be excellent, huh? You know, I have a little prepared speech I tell my suitor when he wants more than I'd like to give him. Gee, Blank, I had a really nice... See, the speech is from Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. You don't deserve my fucking speech. The dialogue, though. Amazing. I mean, even when the dialogue is hideous and That's wrong, it's awesome. still inspired. Save the speeches oh, yeah. for Malcolm X. Right. That's wow. That's crazy. You know, yeah. No idiot guy could have been that witty. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they, they, it, is a, it is a total fantasy world. And the yeah. other thing to point out, Winona Ryder is at the peak of everything Winona Ryder. Absolutely. I mean, this is the most Winona Ryder role. Yeah. It is, I th- believe, to this day, she says it's her favorite. And it's really what put her on the map mm-hmm. as Winona Ryder. And, she's by far the sexiest. And like, she's amazing. Oh. And she's the one that we can actually kind of go on this journey with. And she, you know, has a sense of good uh, versus bad. Yeah, and, like she's ambivalent. She can mm-hmm. be led, whereas everyone else's like moral fiber is decided, you know? Right. She's right. Heathers yeah. and he- he- all the Heathers are decided, all the men are sort of decided, but she's like, am I good? Am I bad? I don't know. And every, she recognizes the gray of all of us in the world where it's right. like even the popular people, some of them are the worst. Like even the most unpopular people, they might have good ideas, but still they're employing them, you know, they're mm-hmm. making it happen the wrong way. Like, well, that's the thing. You totally go on this journey with her and you're right. She, she, she navigates her way through every scenario, right? The, she's one of the Heathers sort of, she's, she's invited to frat parties. She's, she's, uh, friends with former nerds. She's, she's always yeah. hanging yeah, out exactly. with the bad she's boy. Guilty. She's yeah. At the end, you know, she's with Martha Dunstock. Yeah. You know, like, and, and at the end of it, she's like, I'm gonna kiss you. Like, I'm I'm gonna be confident now. Like, right. You know. And she takes the bow off of uh, Heather Duke. Yeah. Right. right. She, Which she gives you this setup yeah. moment. You're like, okay. Scrunchy. So there is uh, that's that right. classic <laughs> scrunch. Come on, come on, Craig. You see this? We're back to the scrunchy now, in case you're wondering, yeah. because it doesn't damage our hair. And, no. and the ending <laughs> is really, really sweet. Hey, right? Martha. My date for the prom kind of flaked out on me. I was wondering if you were doing anything that night. Maybe we could rent some new releases. Pop some popcorn. I'd like that. Yeah. So would I. And if we continue to talk about Finland's, is that inappropriate? Because I have. No, I, no, no, no. That's great. Need, I'm happy needs. to talk about I that. I have needs. <laughs> We all went to see Femlins, the latest Peaches Christ production, the Christmas production. Yes. Which, of course, is an adaptation of Gremlins. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of our, I mean, you know, I've definitely done strange adaptations as far as movies that aren't really uh, set up for stage plays. But this was definitely one of the stranger ones because upon rewatching it, after agreeing to do it, <laughs> I, uh, I was kind of like, uh, this is 80% monsters just destroying shit that's yeah yeah how do i do this um but you know i wrote the script with my friend michael verati you know we set it in a very queer universe and i often am inspired by whoever we cast okay so that's sort of where the script kind of goes is sort of okay who's gonna play the lead oh it's a christmas show i've always wanted to work with miss cracker yeah she's um a very you know 
out Jewish drag queen. How fun would that be? You right. know, to to sort of in the queer world, it's like why not subvert the whole thing? And, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, and then yeah. I wanted to work with Detox for years, and uh, Fifi O'Hara had done this great cosplay gremlin look before. Mm-hmm. Like, are and... you kidding? I just want okay. Here, my here, <laughs> here. I'm gonna go. You set me up for my club. Sure. So, Miss Cracker. I'm so obsessed with her. Yeah, I'm she's so great. obsessed. And she's she bring me her little Shabbat Shalom queen into this. <laughs> so amazing. Just fucking love detox. Like I thought she made such a good mom character. Um, yeah. Her outfits were so it was so good. It was so good. But honestly, the start of the show, honestly, Fifi is a villain. Like, are you kidding it's me? Sexy stripe. I mean, well, are you kidding a, me? Her was, outfit was so good. She's that, like, a, well, that, she, like, and she did all ear. of that. I knew it. You know, I was going to ask you, did all but of I, her looks. I had uh-huh. a feeling they were very um, them, and I think that's important. Yeah, they were amazing. I mean, Fifi was like, so I called her and, you know, said, I would like you to play stripe you know in the show and, yeah and you did this cosplay look a few years ago um where we all dressed up as greta gremlin myself as well and um you were fabulous and you're a great cosplay but then i said to her i want you to know that i'm casting you as a villain mm-hmm. partially because you're fifi o'hara right. and that's and your that the genius you know your your thing are you prepared to really own that and right. have a sense of humor about it and she said absolutely and so then as we would get closer and closer i was like okay so this maniac number i think it'd work better if we we, we went into it was really our choreographer rory's idea into kevin aviance's uh cunty you know the house song and, <laughs> that was you know, so pre- fucking good. Oh and my she, god! You know, she was like, "Sure, okay, I trust you." And then it was, and I'd like to show some video clips of you actually being cunty. And there was kind of a long pause. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> you I know knew. what you did as an amazing producer, which like no one has to do. You did that moment where you were like, "I just want everyone to know, Fifi was amazing. Here's why she came back behind the stage. She helped everyone with their costumes. That drag theater and drag com- sketch comedy is so different than the regular what the majority of the drag world is as far as you know the the sort of lip sync circuit and the big you know murray and peter shows and sure coming out and being fierce and it's all about look or whatever you know i come from a, a comedy world and you know i said to her I'm, i really promise you that uh by owning this and by saying to the audience i have a sense of humor about it right you will win them over uh so much and so you know it was really um, great during the three o'clock show where, you know, even San Franciscans are, are fickle and they believe what they see on TV and, mm-hmm. you know, the You're credits came up. And, like, you know, I'm from you know, here and I love them and I love me and I am from them, but we can be judging. Well, there, it's a tough audience. I'll say this. It doesn't matter that you've been on TV. That's not enough. No, you know, not. so there are places where it almost it's like, sets you apart. Like, I don't want to say that, but you need to like surmount that. Like, just yeah. say you've been on TV. Like, oh, that's nice. But it's we're not enough. going to judge you for that. Like, you need to. Right, exactly. So they that. love who they love and they don't like everybody. And so when right. the opening credits for the show happened and Detox and my name and, um, you know, Miss Cracker and the audience, big applause and Fifi's name came up and it was much less. And it was like, well, there you go. That's because they're, they're already, you know, prejudging, pre-judging her. Yeah. And when we came out after that three o'clock, it was less noticeable than the eight o'clock, but three o'clock for sure. Um, when we came out for the curtain call, and they went nuts for her. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, turning that villain on its head moment. I thought that was a clever casting. Yeah. I love that she had the sense, because that's the thing. If someone was a true villain, they wouldn't have taken that part. 
No, and they wouldn't have behaved the way she behaved no. at all. They, she like, didn't have that awareness, which she clearly it. does. And yeah. yes. I, I got to tape with her in New York uh, uh-huh. last year, and it was really great talking to her about her ho- whole journey, and also, you know, sort of pointing out that you know the narrative on the season that she was on was that she was like the the say the rich popular girl right, right. we're using yes Heather's yes terms. yes she was a heather exactly she was she a heather. was the heather that's right yeah. and that sharon was the upstart from she, the other side yeah. of the track how dare you typecast any drag queen as the heather really like are we, are <laughs> well it's a tv heather? show of course. <laughs> and it's like someone has to be the heather but like right. really in real life like yeah i Didn't, get how that would be galling because you're like oh i'm oh i'm the heather yeah. i'm the heather and i really I'm and then she came from very troubled background as well and so you can understand more of the behavior on the show mm-hmm. given that background do we have any further thoughts on Femlins besides it being such a wonderful thing that we hope to see again well no okay <laughs> I was really really thrilled with how it all came together and yeah. the best part is when people enjoyed the show but I've enjoyed working with the people putting the show together and that's like the double whammy win you know so it was really fun to work with those guys and then yeah. the audience enjoyed it. I lied. I have one more thing, which is just um, as a content creator, um, I really enjoyed the split screen. I liked the like, there was the set and then above that yeah. there was the screen and then the screen and the set really coordinated with each other. And I thought that was like a really awesome way to kind of bring in the movie and go from like live to clip, clip to live and everything. Thank you. Really yeah. I like too. The, the, the signature style of any of my shows because... <sighs> Back in 1998, when I started Midnight Mass, it was in a movie theater. And it was like, how do I... It's funny, because Sasha Velour actually has a show now touring where she uses a lot of projection. And it was the same thing for us, was like, we don't really have the money for big sets, but I do have a giant screen and I have a projector. Right. And so there you can get lighting, you can get movement, you can get sets. You you know, so I've that's kind of the Peaches Christ production aesthetic. You know, I love that. It's such a boner for that. And I felt like it made you guys able to do a lot with the like little bit i mean i don't not little as if there was little but like you know you didn't yeah, have yeah. to every single scene make a whole new thing and like a well we are not in a theater there's yeah. no cross behind there's, there's only one stage entrance and it's teeny tiny and we have no set no room for sets in the wings so we've kind of had to figure this all out in a lot of ways i think it's made us more creative sure. and it means you can you know, tour to places like you don't we, need yes, to exactly. be in theaters that have all those extras we pack up and get it you know it's a laptop with a q lab and mm-hmm. you know depending on what furniture we need it's made it much easier to tour putting in my budget to make sure shows like yours are more of a priority in the next year because for what i'm doing that is like fucking inspiring oh thank you yeah we were talking about how inspiring your shows are and how we have to make time sometimes when you're doing creative stuff and i'm sure you encounter this too you're working on stuff and it's your passion so sometimes you don't allow time absolutely you know to watch even like a new movie you want to see or Mm -hmm. something i recently had that with uh, dolomite is my name i sort of stopped i down tools and i was like i I have to watch this i've been wanting to and i did and it was so inspiring i heard it's great it really is fab it's funny it's moving it's so good and also you see eddie murphy doing a film that he really wants to do which is not always the case you know we would assume, yeah, there was there was a, a string of movies where it's like, really, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you're so talented, and this is what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, this yeah. is not great. Yeah, um, Holly G has a couple questions and starts with, "Well, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Do I look like Mother Teresa? Have any of you seen the musical production of Heather's? Yes. No. And how was it? 
Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's it's actually very good, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. I saw it here in San Francisco uh, when Ray of Light uh, did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a wonderful local um, musical theater company that does really sort of edgy productions, mm-hmm. and I think they're brilliant. Like last year, they did an all female cast. Uh, version of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh wow! And they called it Shejus. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ uh-huh. Superstar. But it th- they didn't change anything because oh, okay. they couldn't because it's the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all women and it was brilliant. But they've also they did the American Psycho musical. Oh wow! They did um the Jerry Springer opera years ago when it was brand new. Uh-huh. So they're really great. And they brought Heather's the musical. I think they might've had the West coast premiere and uh, I really did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds irreverent. Which oh, is it the is. Most important part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and also I wanted to add, it was really nice to see one of your productions at your home theater. Cause oh, I've right. seen a bunch in LA, right? But it's just really nice to see yeah. the Castro. And let's see, Holly G continues with, which character do you think you would have identified the most with if you had watched this as a high schooler, which we both did. We did, yeah. Um, and then thank you so much for including such a fantastic movie. Well, well, thank you, Holly. So you take this one first. Well, Veronica, uh-huh. you know, yeah. I mean, it's almost like if you relate to someone other than her. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, well, I have the basic answer. But then it's like. She's the only relatable character. They, they write the story that way. Like she's the only one who has this like gray moment where you're like, I can go this way, I can go that yeah. way. Everyone right. else is well, excited. She has depth. And yeah. yeah. Even though she does participate in the murders. Yeah. Of but some so people. many good people do participate. In well, bad that's fair things. enough. Fair enough yeah. point. The other thing is, I, I mean, I, in a mild way, because I had weight issues as a kid, you know, the Martha dump truck. Thing, right. And also being like pranked with nasty things like mm. similar to the note that she's given and all that stuff. So like I could definitely relate to the um, the I guess the nerds or the whatever, mm-hmm. the misfit kids. Yeah. 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 Know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there is that gay moment where he's not gay, but where they attack the kid outside of the funeral and and make him say, you know, say you like to suck big dicks. Right. You know, and as horrible as that is, like, that's relatable. You know, I was bullied for being queer, you know. Right. But yeah, Veronica's the hero. It is. And that's I just I have to say, like, I have to expand that moment where it's like, all right, making that kid say I like to suck big dicks. Yes. Super fucking gay moment, incredibly gay and incredibly gay, <laughs> incredibly mm. negative, maybe for a lot of gay people. But like, as I sit in this moment where I talk to a lot of straight identifying people who have gay tendencies mm. and they live in this gray area of this, like, by encouragement, as I said, like, we used to call it forced by, but we don't do that anymore. It's not nice. <laughs> but really, it's more just like talking to a lot of people who don't feel permission to be the gay slash bisexual slash pansexual mm-hmm. whatever person that they are and like having this moment <sighs> what i really see what is the depth that i would have missed as a teenager is the complication of that abuser feeling the need to say those things in the first place right like where that really boils them down right absolutely yeah, like yeah. we very, all know now yeah it'll be interesting and it's interesting to now to see media actually addressing that like i've seen that in stories now for the first time ever i don't know if you've watched hbo's euphoria i really want to see that oh my god talking like that is the 
it's so good all the trans performers that i work with in porn like so many of them have been cast in that show which i think is amazing they're like ever since pose like people are actually contacting like genuine trans performers to like be in these productions which i think is awesome but the big bully who is i mean it's it takes heather chandler to a new level i mean he's a jock and he is evil and his father is a mess and what their core is is they're attracted to trans women oh and okay. it's this it's really i don't i, I don't want to spoil well, more no, than that not, but yeah. that is kind of a spoiler uh so i apologize to the listeners but if it gets you to watch the show sure because it's so new it's i mean it's so and it's really well done you yeah. know it's really presented in this very realistic way and, and it's this the is what we're thing, dealing with yeah. now like i don't feel like this guilt this like um homophobic guilt has gotten less mm-hmm. now as other people become more out in some ways it makes the closeted feel more intense that's what this is because everyone that's else is, is out it's, they're like it, why am i not at like mm. it's really well done it makes it yeah. more because they're alone in the closet <laughs> they're alone in there and it's right. stressful Oh, it's torture. And another thing that's interesting about what they do in the movie, it's such that presentation of uh, this thing that's uh, like on paper, very galling. But it's very similar to John Waters' things when he has people like uh, in polyester or the the racists in Hairspray. They're saying these things that are very shocking and horrifying, but it's to say how bad it is. And it's that neat trick of being able to do that. Whereas a lot of 80s films just had homophobic shit mm-hmm. all right. over the place. Yes. Like stuff like DC Cab or, you right. know, racist stuff too. Yeah. Like you watch that stuff, it's like sci fi. Yeah, it's yeah. this extra question of like, say, like JD's dad or whatever, like you were this like crazy misogynist. If you hate women that much, then who do you love? Men? Some damn tribe of withered old bitches doesn't want us to terminate that flea bag hotel. Huh. All because Glenn Miller and his band once took a shit there. I mean, just the whole like withered old bitches. It's always this angry thing, very anti-women. And also, you know, he blows his wife up. And then Christian Slater is fully prepared to kill Veronica because she won't continue to go out with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he's ready with his gay artifacts, which makes you think like his dad is ready with some negative homo speech which just leads you into this like where is this male family going (laughs) right and then the other family i love all those scenes with veronica's parents they're sort of like slightly checked out there's a lot of like consumption and then they're kind of blase about her being like great pate but i gotta go motor if i'm gonna get ready for this funeral Mm -hmm. right yeah she did it twice like that's Mm -hmm. what i really love that like i gotta motor if i'm gonna get ready for this party and then three scenes later she's like i gotta motor if i'm gonna get ready for this funeral like that callback i love that and you're right though it's still in that sort of surreal style where it's reality in the world of the movie but even reality in that in the world of the movie is very surreal and the parents are very uh, they're almost like comic book characters or something like, right, you know, they're right. just one dimensional. Yeah, we're the parents and they have a croquet set. Oh my God. Yeah. The croquet set. Like that's just crazy. <laughs> um, I think I really relate to that moment where it's like Veronica is this complicated character and she could go this way or that way. And it really depends on her influence and like her actual true, influence, yeah. which is her parents are very checked out. Yeah. And like that as a childhood, I can really get behind. Like, I love my parents. They were super awesome, but they were very busy. I was very much left kind of on my own to sort of raise myself and do my own thing and make my own choices, kind of Lord of the Fly style. And we mm-hmm. all see where I ended up now. Um, it's fascinating. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it, for me, I see this like moment with Veronica being like, all right, like you could go full JD 
easily or you could be heather or you could forge this whole new middle ground and right it's up to you like which only is, you think, can decide which i think is what she's doing at the end with martha and the, the i'm the new sheriff in town and even her trying to rekindle her relationship with betty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you really hope that that stealing of the bow is like no you're not gonna have this energy yeah i'll put it on me but it's because i'm invincible to it like i've already defeated this mm-hmm. like i'm gonna take the evil out of your brainstem and i'm gonna just take yeah it. that's how i interpreted it yeah like me too you can't picture Veronica at that stage uh, Turning becoming into the, a Heather. Yeah. No, not at all. And now Francis also asked if any of us had seen Heather's The Musical. So sorry, Francis, I should have included you with Holly's question. The answer to that is yes, and apparently it's quite good. Kate Bosch writes, thank you, Heather. I'll save this to our own movie night this weekend. Well, Brandon Salloy writes, it's always been strange to me that Kim Walker, who plays Heather Chandler in the film, never did much else in film. I just Googled her and found a shockingly short and riveting Wikipedia biography. Apparently, Walker attended Fiorello LaGuardia High School of the Performing Arts in New York City. Her classmate and best friend at LaGuardia was actress Jennifer Aniston. The two moved to Los Angeles together to pursue acting. Then, uh, sadly, Kim died of a brain tumor at her L.A. home on March 6, 2001. Brendan adds, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Thanks so much for taking it up. Cheers. And also, rest in peace. So terrible. It's very sad. Yes, I remember when that happened. And the same sentiment about like, wow, what a presence in that movie. Oh my God, yeah. She's so strong. Why wasn't she then catapulted into a big career? It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense um, because she is wonderful. And I always wonder about that, especially with 80s female leads. Joyce Heiser is incredible in just one of the guys. Yeah. And I know she went on to, you know, to a, a fine career in like TV guest spots. She's in a few murder she wrote, but there was never another big starring role for her. It is baffling. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, that because I believe she's going to be part of SF Sketchfest coming up. I know. And I think I'm going to be out of town for uh, that, yeah. sadly. And I was thinking about it the same way. I was like, Gosh, because Sketchfest and I work together all the time and we look at everything. And, you know, I just th- thought about how great her performance is yeah. in that movie. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's, but, you know, we now know this is so gross to realize, but like it could be for a number of reasons behind the scenes, you know, where, you know, we now know that like, uh, Mira Sorvino, uh, right. her career just, she, it, it, it was, you know, uh, taken out of her hands because she wouldn't sleep with Harvey Weinstein. Right. So it's like that thing where just because you're talented and not to say that the al- actors that do go on to have great success have slept their way to their top. <laughs> sure, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. No, they either got lucky and didn't get asked or right. maybe they did. Like, who or knows? maybe they did. Who knows? <laughs> but, but then <laughs> No judgment at, either way. Quite <laughs> maybe not ta- fair. Yeah. Yeah, young, talented people. Heather Chandler... I mean, Shannon Doherty went on to have a, a big career. Right. You know, Winona Ryder obviously went on to have a big career. Um, but the woman that played Heather Chandler, she is genius in that film. She's incredible. So why it. not? Right. Yeah. Why didn't she have some other There's thing like no that? There's no reason. And it's so iconic. It's like, um, it's interesting because I have multiple partners, but um, one of them is much younger than me. So to, <laughs> to expose him to any um, films like this, I'm like, okay, you don't know any Okay, so like maybe you don't know Heather's, but maybe you've heard of Mean Girls. There is this like generational sort of gap, and you can really tell like what is inspired by what by asking a younger generation oh, sure. person like mm-hmm. what is their kind of iconic moment. Um, but it's funny to look back on some of the actors that are in the film who did go on to have a career, but maybe this film and like to look at Christian Slater to go to from this to do True Romance and like mm-hmm. some of the other 
Like he played kind of a weird, conflicted. I mean, he, <laughs> person. And Win- he and Winona worked for years in big, big movies after yeah. this came out, and she played conflicted forever. Like Beetlejuice, yeah. that was her bread and butter. Like she was played this that after Beetlejuice. This must have been after Beetlejuice, it was. right? And yeah. actually, the script came to her from the guy I think who wrote the script for Beetlejuice. Oh. And right, because it had the priest. Guy. Wait, that's right. That's right. Glenn Shaddix. Ah, yes, I yeah. love yeah. him. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, I think this would be right for her. And Winona was only 16 when they filmed this. Wait, Heathers? Yeah. She was only 16. She was only 16. Because she looked older than that in comparison. And Shannon Doherty was 15 and turned 16 during the making. Isn't that wild? That is so unusual. It is. And to look at Shannon Doherty, this must have been before 90210. Yeah. Uh, I think it was after she was on Little House of the Prairie. It was definitely before because... It was in the early part of my high school year. No, it was. So she must have left into 90210 right afterwards. I think so. right after. yeah. I bet she got yeah. that role right after this. But it's just a very interesting thing. You do this teen high school comedy. You play this person. And then you like it influences your next roles. Like as a performer, it's very the things people don't tell you when you are picking roles as a young person. Like you're going to do a thing. And that role is going to influence your choices like, and forever. usually honestly for a movie like this which is so adult you know the right. way it's written the the norm would be to hire 20 somethings mm-hmm. sure I mean, mm-hmm. which it looks like know. there are in the cafeteria scene at the uh-huh. beginning when they're like oh shit here comes heather right it looks like a bunch of 26 year olds yeah even the, the two rape who's the oh curtain, curtain yeah Ram. they look yeah. a little right 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 <laughs> interesting i didn't realize they were that young isn't that crazy wow that's really interesting i think Either Kim Walker or Lizanne Falk was like a few years older. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. they were the only ones, though. Wow. That was a little bit older. And I just can't help it. I love Shannon Doherty. I love Original Charmed. I love her. You do? <laughs> I do. Like, I know she's complicated. I'm sure she's a cunt, really. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just have a soft spot. I like her, too. Yeah. But Winona, because of Beetlejuice, because of Heathers, because of Roxy Carmichael, because mm-hmm. of Mermaids, because sure. for a lot of us of a certain generation, she yes. was, you know, kind of like the actress version of Susie Sue or something. Yeah, no, you that's know, very really much true. A, like an alternative. Um, there was a strength to her and she was so small, you know, that, that, <laughs> right. like, sort of this. And then, you know, you find out that she's, she's a little bit sad. She's sad. Like, and go- that, but, you she's know, like emo girl, before we had yes, emo, you know, exactly. Like, I loved her so much. Like, for me. And when I grew up in this, like all black wearing black hair, having like people thought I was goth moment. Like there aren't that many icon right. people for you. It's like, Tracy Lawrence obviously had an affinity it's for. Interesting. <laughs> when I'm now I'm thinking about. It, I'm like, well, who else? And I'm like, oh, Rose McGowan, who mm-hmm. was the right. star. I was going to say that, but I always of, you know, feel so embarrassed even saying it. But like, the fact of the matter is, she was Marilyn Manson's girlfriend. She yeah. was naked on TV long before that and VMA she did outfit. Jawbreaker. And That's Jawbreaker. Right. So yeah. Sort of like this, this stuff. You know, like legacy. Of she these, was a shock yeah. artist. She was one of the only yeah. female sort of shock artist people that really came out during that time who was like very happy to make you uncomfortable. Right. And she's formulated herself into this very different person now, but it's it's the same energy. I'm sorry, it's an over thirty five energy of the same person as I'm realizing. Right. Oh, God, well it's kinda like Ali Sheedy, right? She had that sort of one flavor of right. that and then that changed into another high art and all that. And then well, her unfortunate run is Hedwig, but you know, outside of that. Now we were talking about um Winona now and I found this clip from maybe in the last few years mm-hmm. of her and Jimmy Fallon talking about how she doesn't have the internet and I think it's important for us to hear this but I know you don't have a computer you have known nothing about it you you were afraid of the internet what 
What? I mean, <laughs> what, I mean you, don't, you don't have any of that stuff? You don't have Twitter? Well, I have a, I have a, um, I just got an iPhone. That's and huge. I'm, I'm trying to learn because it's touch screen and I, I, I like it when it clicks. I like buttons to yeah. push, the, to feel them no, go down. That, <laughs> that's a big deal to me. So the touch, touch screen thing, I'm still getting used to. It's but just too flat and just, yeah, just yeah. pressing it. And it makes up words. You try to spell something and then it has this word above it. That's not what you're trying to spell. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, autocorrect. Oh, I yeah, hate it's an autocorrect. Awful function. It's awful. No, I'm trying to write this. Ugh, anyway. Yeah, I was like, yeah, are yeah. you going to go to the movies? Or like, what do you mean I have a fat ass? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess I sent that. I'm sorry. No, I mean I had um, for my dad has a computer. My my friends have computers, and and I did have a laptop that I I barely used for a while. And you know, it's the whole thing of the googling, which is very terrifying to me because I have this fear that I'm going to be trying to find out, you know, what movie is playing at what theater, and then I'm going to suddenly be a member of Al Qaeda. Or, or, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. I it doesn't know, work like that. Be, it doesn't work like that. We're a button away from joining Al Qaeda. That's, no, that's, that's not going to happen to you. But if you no, press just the wrong button, for, not looking for a movie. You're not going to become Al Qaeda members. <laughs> hey, uh, you've been, who by the way, knows what could happen? All right. Well, then stay away from you me. I want you to be good. You want to be Townsend, and we know yeah. that that you know. <laughs> yes. You can't. You do you get in trouble. No, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I'm a director now. I'm a director now. <laughs> no, Ladies it's ridiculous. But really, tour. what's more important is um, I performed and I still do for over 15 years. And what I know is insecurity wrapped up in a very um, egotistical statement, which is like, yes, maybe she is uncomfortable with the internet in that way, but perhaps there's nothing on the internet she wants to see. <laughs> well, that could be true too. You know, yeah. I, I have just, that I way. Have, I don't want to hear my movies. I don't want to hear my voice. I don't want to see the thing. I can't. <laughs> to try to see me like i have to you know try a little bit at least to mm -hmm. see porn but like when you are an actress especially of her caliber especially in the era that she was it's like you can't even can't look at the newspaper you can't look at e you can't look you but can't i mean look. i figured like online shopping might be good for her you know given her troubles at mm -hmm. certain stores well i mean it's that thing where i'm kind of like should i just keep oh, my God. mouth shut should i say anything Please um, say it. tell us all your hot goss we well need to know. it's that thing where she you know she grew up in a commune oh, oh yeah. that's right okay, so that's i didn't right. know that that makes a lot of sense no wonder she doesn't trust she gr grew up in a very unusual way here in the bay area and mm. she um had this weird hollywood career as a young person right now having worked with uh child stars more than once in my life close friends with natasha leone i've mm -hmm. worked with you know a bunch of them i know that that's in in the american hollywood system that is usually a recipe for disaster and having worked around enough people that have worked with her um and as a fan as someone who really really loves her it's yeah. been disappointing to hear that she's challenging and difficult and you know has stuff going on sure. and you know without saying too much i would say that um probably that interview is probably real um or you know whether she's lying or not or you know that that she's um 
she's difficult. What I you know? was sure. What I want to follow that up with now that hearing you say that because I felt this air and I feel like that's kind of what I do as a person is like I feel an air and then I try to pro- project what that might be. But that makes so much sense. There is this reticence. There is this cautiousness. And if she was raised to mistrust the internet and the outside world, really, like any public sphere, like forget mm-hmm. the internet, but like anything outside of her own moment, like that makes so much sense and you can try you could be exposed outside of that you can try to forget it but Man. Well, the shoplifting clearly wasn't because she was poor, right? You know, so yeah. so it's you know when you have a, an incident like that, and you know a, a celebrity kind of has a public out. meltdown, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, okay, that's really a public sort of display of someone's mental health not being yeah, not sure. not being maybe the best it could be sure so it's not like these are secrets you know right, because right. we know this about her and you know I, I guess on the set of um star trek uh you know here she is in a big hollywood movie and she's not been in a big big hollywood movie for years and one of the big things that they have are are you know these non-disclosure agreements that are mm-hmm. huge massive i mean <laughs> right you can't um reveal anything about those kind of movies and Winona's being photographed at Starbucks in her costume, you know, just to get off the set. Yeah. You know, right, was right. like something she had to really work hard at. Right. She had to evade dressers. Right. You can't and just the casually. Department. There's, no. there's people looking. There's so people watching. She knew watching. what she was doing. So she's that. So somehow there's I something. There's rebelliousness. And totally. I be yeah. I totally. Be there's that drive. Anymore. So when, just, I, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, people, I uh, have friends who work. There was a very Bay Area movie that she was in, and there's certain. You know, once you were tapped into the crew community here, you know, uh, I'll just say that she has a reputation for being really, really difficult. And yeah. I say that with love because I actually am well, still sure. a huge fan. Oh, of, yeah. So many you know, performers yeah. you know, are. Like, yeah. You know, we just say that with an acknowledgement that like this is a super demanding job. It's like kind of fucking weird. Not everyone accepts you or understands you. Like you grow up different. Like there's all this extra involved in it. And and I'm rooting for her. Yeah, of course. And you know, I have to say watching her in Stranger Things, it was like such a exciting thing to to know that she was going to be on and what a great way to, you know, cast Winona Ryder because it's right. like this nostalgia uh show and she's part of our nostalgic fabric. Absolutely. Certain, True. You know, and she's era. great at that suspicious hysteria. I totally. Feel like. The little girl in Beetlejuice is now the mother That's whose what I was son it plays is into being, her completely. It's totally oh. amazing and brilliant. And I think she did a good job. I I think it wasn't her fault necessarily. I would I would actually criticize the director more from the first season uh-huh. where it was like, okay, you really got her playing this one thing at this mm-hmm. one level um and then I felt it doesn't like, go anywhere there's right. no resolution to it she's just this hysterical like, yeah the ah! whole first se- but the second season it was nice because they gave her more of a you know um different the, yeah, more of an arc and she yeah she mm-hmm. was she we got to see her do different things right and also like you said uh, is basically a child star there was all that crazy press coverage of her and johnny depp's yeah relationship so was it, yeah and, and that was a lot of invasive yeah. uh, journalism it was, going on. and we know a lot about johnny depp now like, yeah oh yeah that's, a, that's actually true right we, i hate to know our time, Cry baby is my favorite movie like are you kidding that's my first crush like as a I don't. I don't want to know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's I a bummer deny. to know what we know now about Johnny Depp. That being said, also having friends who um, are, you know, Mink Stoll and John Waters and th- those guys, they love Ricky. They all loved Johnny. I yeah. Love you know, he was that. super sweet. Apparently, while making that movie, he was a dream to work with. Yeah. So you know, 
not everyone's always you know one thing yeah no sure one is yeah one thing right the kaleidoscope the of yeah of uh ingredients Marissa Mortati writes, is it just me or is Christian Slater in this particular role hot as hell? I've always felt a little mixed about my lustful feelings for him, considering he's a psychopath murderer. Also, <laughs> I love my dead gay son. Thank you, Marissa. Yeah. He's handsome. He's and he's cute. the key to many things, which is like, okay, I'm that good person. And what I would really like is that devil on my right shoulder telling me, like, act out, be bad. Right. Do that thing. He represents that. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, until the point where, like, my male partner was like, um, was JD like a figment of her imagination? Like, is that, did we just watch like a female fight club? Like, did he exist for real? <laughs> and if it wasn't for the backstory of his father and all that character development, like, it would be like, uh oh, maybe you're right. Right, actually. right, right. Because yeah, it, he it, is it, kind of that person to Veronica being like, be bad. Like, you could right. have done it that way. Yeah, right? If they took out a couple of scenes of him interacting with other people, yeah. it could yeah. very much be that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it wasn't, but, Me it, too. but it, it, it operates that way. The one thing about Christian Slater in this movie that works for the movie, but once you sort of really start to think about it, it's like his impersonation of jack nicholson yeah is so intense that there's points where it takes me out of the yeah you know the performance so it's like almost like okay i'm gonna watch this movie and i i don't want to think about jack nicholson right (laughs) you know what i wanted actually was to see him lose for real for once Mm-hmm. It's like even in the moments where like the bullies were kind of like ganging up on him, he didn't have that real goth kid moment where he got his right. ass handed right, right, to right. him. Absolutely. He always right. That's right. escalated violently. Yeah, he never really was the direct subject of any of that stuff. Mm-mm. He was witness to it. Which maybe that's his story, you know, you imply that like maybe that happened a while ago. Like maybe I that's that what sense, made him who he, he is. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Right. And I right. relate to I have people in my life who can very much relate to that moment where it's like I got picked on so much by the time I was that old. If you even looked at me, I was oh, going yeah. to put you in the hospital because we're not sure. doing this anymore. Right, right, right. <laughs> Wyatt Romero writes, Hello all. First time catching one of these at the right time with one of my all-time favorite movies as well. Did you hear? School's canceled today because Kurt and Ram killed themselves in a repressed homosexual suicide pact. No way. But I have to ask, did your teen angst bullshit have a body count? I guess ours. And uh, now that you're dead, what are you going to do with your life? And P.S. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? (laughs) Well, these are all questions from the movie yes exactly my teenings didn't have a body count per se although i will say the kid i lost my virginity to died while i was still in high school so it's as oh, close oh, as well. i ever got yeah bit of a black widow situation is that what you you're know, no. <laughs> you know i dream that it was the break no not really um <laughs> i have to say my high school had a lot of heathers mm-hmm. and it had a sort of an alternative um response to the heathers and while we didn't uh murder folks uh, <laughs> i was not part of this but there was a big scandal at my catholic high school where um a zine was put out uh-huh. back when people made zines and i remember we would go out to our cars the parking lots they would be in our lockers you didn't really know who was part of creating the zine they were very good at distributing them all throughout the school so that everyone had them. It was mm-hmm. called the Blue Nun because we were St. Mary's and our colors okay. were blue and white. And it was called the Blue Nun. And in the zine, it listed what Heathers had had abortions and where. Really? It, had, it listed, uh, you know, who was sleeping with who. It had cartoons of nuns fucking each other, our teachers and priests. Wow. I mean, it was explicit and crazy and scandalous sure. and mean and dark sided and 
once again, I was brought into the principal's office, you know, <laughs> oh. as one of the the, the big uh, suspects. suspects. And I really wasn't suspects. part. I really, honestly, truly wasn't. Now, a friend of mine was. What ended up happening, which became a local news story, was it was found out that the leading of this whole thing was by one of the teachers. Ooh, yeah. wow. Mr. Godwin. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. That yeah. is crazy. It must have been almost like a little scary because they were everywhere. Yeah. And no one knew. It went on for a while. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, the, and it had stuff like, you know, which jocks had a drunk driving, um, you know, record. I mean, it was pretty cool in yeah. a way because I don't really agree with abortion shaming, but I do agree with calling out hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So there was this sense that like the the most Catholic of the Catholics who, you know, were anti-gay were having abortions. You right. know, it's like, right. wait a second, you it's know. It's like this public name and shame and then let's be honest. <laughs> well, and also you're you're going to a, a school with a doctrine that says no contraception. <laughs> like it was all a mess. You know? And the one girl that did get pregnant and you know was visibly pregnant was sent away. Oh wow! And Lord knows where. You know, probably right. to exactly. a convent or something. And that is so fascinating to me because I mean I grew up in the South in a very small town, very small town, and to get pregnant in high school or as a man to drop out was incredibly normal. Like so many people would meet mm -hmm. 15, 16 and drop out. Yeah. I probably had five, six, seven best friends over middle school to high school. Five of them had babies. Wow. One to two babies. Wow. Having sex was normal. Birth control, not normal, you know, but abortion also not acceptable. We're right, not right, right. We're not, we're not doing yeah, I wouldn't say that my teen angst had a body count. I mean, uh, I'm sure there was a well, there was definitely one or two people who would be similar to Kurt and Ram that I would have loved to have seen something bad happen to, right. but not of my own doing. Just you right. know, if I heard about some horrible thing, I probably wouldn't be that upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing is like now that I'm a porn star, all these fucking dudes who like either tre treated me nice or not depends mm -hmm. in high school now want to contact me and be like, how do I get in the industry? Uh, can, you, can you let me in? I see the pussies you fuck. How do I do that? <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, too bad. <laughs> Did you know that there was a different original ending for this movie? No. Uh, so no. check this out. The original ending was the bomb was strapped to me, and I give this amazing speech on the steps of the school, and the camera moves in on my face. And then it cuts to black, and you hear my voice go, boom. But we end in a big prom in heaven with the punch bowl filled with the blue chemical and the fat Martha character singing, and it's like a prom in heaven, basically. And it was it was very nice. It was very nice. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm what were you <laughs> I just thought, like, uh, I don't know who that was speaking. Was that the I think that was the writer. I the think writer? it was the writer, yeah. I just thought, when he said the fat Martha character, it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, you know, okay. This like, one's you could just say ago. the Martha character. Yeah, or even you know? Martha Dump Truck. Yeah, like, exactly. we'll know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Martha. The fat Martha. It's like, you know. maybe, well, you know, these things come from places, you know, so. <laughs> right, you, right. Know, you did write it, yeah. so. It's yeah. true, and it's fascinating that they talk about this, like, alternate ending moment, because it's like, you do have this moment in the film where you're like, build up, build up, and now where do we go like how right. are you gonna wrap as a story writer how the fuck are you about to wrap this well, up well the thing about that ending that I, my my question would be like how did the bomb get strapped to her and was it strapped to her because it was forced upon her like that doesn't make sense with the third act the no way it doesn't it is. Ma so right it's an interesting thing like 
my guess is that somehow he strapped it to her mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah because if she was voluntarily strapping it to her it would ruin the whole doesn't thing doesn't make sense no yeah. it wouldn't and it would it would actually stain the movie yeah. you wouldn't dig it and, and then even that if whole... he did it forcibly you would have that would have to be very creative right right, right. i did like how savage and disturbing it was that he had that petition with this big plan and then you really see how mentally mm-hmm. ill he is right. because he's talking about this thing and how everyone's going to be talking about it and all this stuff, which is the delusions of grandeur and just hideousness. And actually, I was very uncomfortable watching the scene when they're all in the gymnasium mm-hmm. this time, which I must have been as a kid or I'm not sure. And you know it's not going to happen, but you're like, please don't blow up all these people, <laughs> please. Even these people you don't like. I do love that part. And in that comparison to Fight Club moment, it's like you do have in those moments are when that moment happens where it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God. JD is fucking nuts. Yeah. And like, you're like, okay, he's nuts. And then you're like, okay. Right. Oh, he's really nuts. He's really nuts. Especially when he's like, I I loved you and I was coming up here to kill you. And you have these moments where you're like, you want his backstory. You're like, how did you get here? What school did you come from? What did you do to get kicked out of that school? Okay, you move a lot, but like, there must be a. Thing. Other there things. I think the 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 thing about his knowing that his father blew up his mother, yeah, was pretty. You know, I'm gonna guess is that he was a you know he was in in a good relationship with his mom and his dad was this monster. Mm-hmm. And now he's left with that, right? And he's just so become he his dad. Up. Yeah, yeah. I've been moved around all my life: Dallas, Baton Rouge, Vegas, Sherwood, Ohio. Has always been a snappy snack shack. Any town, any time, can pop a ham and cheese in the microwave and feast on a turbo dog. Keeps me sane. I'm not quite, but the Snappy Snack Shack is there because 7-Eleven absolutely I refused. knew it was 7-Eleven. I'm like, uh, no, no, no. 7-Eleven mm-hmm. is the cheese dog microwave for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. to me. That and I think Sprite and another company were uh, approached and they refused. Oh, wow. Corn nuts! Gabby Hendricks writes first off I think my favorite part of this movie are Veronica's parents she's just like great pate mom but I got a motor if I want to be ready for that funeral and they're just like right cool have fun I think we're having a lot of uh, parallel thoughts here which I like anywho since it seems to be the hot thing for 80s and 90s teen movies to be turned into TV shows Heather's Scream Clueless etc what movie would you all like to see revisited as a TV series is there a film that you would never want to be redone for the silver screen so let's take those one at a time what movie would you like to see revisited visited as a tv series interesting hmm shortcuts no um oh god okay can i say a super goth thing okay that's a lot this would be terrible this might be terrible that oh, the good even this better. could be terrible and i'm so sorry i'm so sorry to everyone this is a terrible suggestion please don't do this because it will go horribly because no one will do it right but i'm just saying oh god i'm so young i'm young old i'm young old i'm about to expose <laughs> myself and i'm not comfortable but uh interview with the vampire was one of my favorite oh, movies and uh-huh. i really enjoyed the end race vampire series i feel like doing interview with the vampire fine it's such a like fraction of the um whole scope the beauty of yeah. the scope yeah. you know and, and also the, this... the follow-up book was made into a movie but it was kind of like a, a b level yes. There's the rock star element of it, right? Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. Yeah, right, right. yeah. It was it's made as a quickie. Fine. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. But it's, it's like an HBO fine. series or something like that. I like the yeah. music. You know, the corn guy did it. It's like it's good. If you like that type of music, it's great. Anyway, it's funny. I, I'm surprised. I've never really thought much about this, and I was really surprised that they did it with Evil Dead. Um, oh right, and that they did yeah. it successfully. Right. You know, I mean, Ash versus the Evil Dead is 
you know, I've seen some of it, not all of it, but it's quite good yeah. and, and very entertaining. And, you know, apparently Heather's obviously didn't work so well. I never really saw it, but people just really didn't like it. Right, you know? right. Um, but they they really have to change, you know, you can't just take Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie right. and turn it into a TV show. It has to be its own thing. So it's this weird thing where you're almost kind of, I mean, even The Walking Dead is any George Romero movie. Sure. You know, so yeah. it's like this thing where with the TV shows, you get to open up this whole big world. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like so, all the stuff that got ignored in the movie can be extrapolated. Right. Like the two things that are happening currently, for example, Watchmen and His Dark Materials oh, on sure. HBO. Like, I don't even give a shit about superheroes. Like, fuck all that shit. But like the concept of Watchmen and the way it is being adapted into a TV series it's so well done. Mm-hmm. So well done. And even if you have no interest in, I don't, I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know the character. I had no knowledge whatsoever. Yeah. I recommend it wholeheartedly. And I think those two shows are great examples of like, there was lots of material and two hours. That's two episodes. Like, yeah. what is so big that like two episodes couldn't even begin? Right. Well, I think Heather's did great in a movie, you know, like two hours was plenty. Right, to right, tell right. That story. Right. It kind of sums it all up. I mean, it doesn't feel like it could be expanded that much more. It's not the, the high school movie I would have chosen. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if I think yeah. about it, it's something like something like Bring It On, uh-huh. uh, which speaks so much more to class and race and an ongoing sort of appropriation. And, sure. You know, you could create such a big world around that. I'm so impressed. You, you were know. so not wrong. I just want you to know, like, I'm... <laughs> okay. I was a cheerleader. I came from a very white area. We had a very like predominantly 50% white, 50% black sort of team. We did a lot of stepping things. I didn't understand as a white lady. Uh-huh. I had no exposure around. And so to see something like bring it on, you're right. There are all these racial connotations, which like, but didn't you know get appreciated did, in that moment, but in 2020, like, holy shit. And I just thought about this. There's like a million sequels to bring it on. That's so right. So in a way, there they kind of did it, but through right. film. Like, yeah. You know, so that's interesting. But yeah, I don't know. What else? I, well, you know, there, there was attempts at making uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High TV series. I think there might have been two of them. And then Animal House was adapted into two different shows that uh, both tanked. I'm always fascinated by that, too, because those are potentially adaptable because they're kind of loose and open-ended but there's something about the spirit uh, specific spirit of the film and then of course that's back in the day where it was network television so that was limited as well i'm trying to think of one that would be appropriate for now because hbo you can do anything to live and die in la was going to be adapted into a tv series there's another show called that has nothing to do with it and i was thinking would that work it'd be kind of interesting but i feel like that movie is also a self-contained thing so i'm drawing a blank as to another film well that... the dark crystal would not have been one that Bitch. i thought that, oh right you know that, that they would have done but they did and i heard and, it's amazing it did, I so watched good. It yeah. did you watch the making of the dark crystal i haven't yet no <gasps> okay I'm i highly recommend that okay i've watched the dark crystal uh, and I, I just want to say that as someone who was not a super fan of the dark crystal or whatever but i watched the making of the dark crystal which not everyone knows even exists it's still on netflix and it really talks about like um jim henson's female family who was left after him and some of the females in the henson company and like the three four whatever main female people who really kind of took over the story okay and what they did with it and how the reason they did it is because even jim henson himself did the movie and felt like while it was good, none of it got extrapolated the way it should have. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of parts of it which were just left 
undone you know like none of it was enough like there was just more in every aspect and so they kind of did all of that and it talks about their struggle with like do we use puppets do we not what does that look like what's the difference in building all the sets and like the struggle of it and man (laughs) i love a good henson making of it's so good and then gabby also says sending lots of love from good old long island well lots of love back to you gabby and then we move on to Maddie, who writes, Hello, Heather's has been a favorite movie of mine for such a long time, so I'm so excited you guys are doing a movie club on it. Well, thank you, Maddie. We're happy to hear that. What was your favorite murder in the film? Ooh, that's a really good question. Yeah. I think I'd have to say Kurt and Ram, because for a moment, it's mm-hmm. about to go really wrong when, I can't remember which one it is, runs away. And she's not really... Right. Yeah, she's I- still thinking it's a joke. She's like, ha ha ha. Yeah, the Dermot. And he's like, hang on, but, yeah. I got him. And as he takes off down the path to go like hunt him down, all of a sudden you watch Veronica's journey of being like, Oh shit, this isn't a joke. Oh shit. Maybe I was the one who even suggested this. Oh shit. Did I suggest right. the other one? Oh my god, have I architected this whole entire thing right. by yeah. accident? Like, is this me? That reminds me also of the kind of weird almost gaslighting with jd when he's like pretending that he's shocked that heather's dead he knows that he's fed her the poison right and he's like i'm just a little freaked out and then he's like well this is what you wanted you know when you think back on it there really weren't that many murders in the movie that's right there's There's heather kurt and ram yeah and then there's the dream sequence one of heather duke but that's not that not real not real at all and then there's jd at the end who kills himself that's right people think just because you're beautiful and popular, life is easy and fun. Uh, no one understood. I had feelings too. I die knowing no one knew the real me. It's good. You've done this before. And it's clear that yes, he has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another bit of uh, sound design that I like quite a bit from that early scene. No. <laughs> 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 Just a good thirty seconds yeah, of that. But I think that is so the phlegm globber. I love yeah. that. <laughs> like what? Did you put a phlegm globber in it? <laughs> Um, but I love watching those moments because I think in some way it is the most relatable and yet unrelatable moment that Veronica can write all those suicide notes with like such empathy. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like on the one hand you're like, okay, you can really put yourself into this place of like Heather Chandler or whatever and get that like being that like popular girl isn't just easy, but at the same time, like you were there for her dad you know like wanted to punish her just as bad (laughs) and also it's interesting that she's such a whiz with handwriting because when she's writing in her journal it's scrawls and slashes which is i think an interesting move she has the monocle on Mm -hmm. which i love is a little choice there and she's just slashing away at the pages megan ibanez writes one of my favorite movies i must say what do you all think about the gay stereotypes jd used to make it look like ram and kurt were gay which we talked about a little before but Megan adds, if I knew when I was younger that drinking mineral water was gay, I wouldn't have had so much trouble realizing how gay I was. Also, did any of you hear or watch the musical version of Heather's? And we got, talked about that, Megan. Sorry we didn't get to your question first. And uh, apparently, it's quite good. So, um, yeah, that's the mineral water question. I think it's so uh, 
very basic and yet so accurate if you grow up in a place where like you're like oh my god you're wearing pink you fucking sissy you know yeah, like oh, where totally, it's like oh yeah. look at your long hair you fucking pussy you know, like like every little thing that could even be ascribed to a feminine even if it's not <laughs> is. oh yeah there was a guy that you gave my brother a bunch of shit one time because he was going down the store to get something really quick so he, his cowboy boots were on the outside of his jeans just because he just threw them on to go down to the store now he gets out at the 7-eleven or whatever and this guy rusty dent which is quite a name for a thug oh it's a poor name come on yeah right yeah, right that's that's the guy's name that's the guy's name and sadly i don't think he ever ventured into that business um I, he wouldn't be allowed uh and he was like what are you a fag like just and then was like hassling him every time he saw him just because his cowboy boots were on how the fuck the do you jeans. think rusty dent even knows to hassle him about that in the first place like yeah. i have learned so much about this like homo aggression moment oh yeah i'm telling you doing a lot of phone sex and having people from like literally every 50 states from the corn states from the like embarrassing places from the like i'm married i've been married for years and that i'm trying to figure out a safe unsafe whatever way to enact my homosexual fantasies like, mm -hmm. it's on their it's on their mind it's on rusty's mind quite a bit but there were these sort of like ridiculous outdated ideas about what what were tells you know like i remember growing up it was like you could if you wore one earring you it had to be in this side this yes. ear because if it was in right. this ear then it meant How you were gay you right ear. it was right. like you know, just crazy stuff like it's that crazy. so i think the cowboy boots the earring what ear it's in yeah uh, mineral water bag. i mean really if they really you know in some ways, it's a comment compliment where right. you're like, this is all it takes. You know, it's a commentary this way and that way. It's like accuracy to the Joan Crawford. And then like there's this like <laughs> mineral water, like anything from a fucking but floral still, decor. Can lead, like, what jock like, has Joan Crawford postcards? You know what I mean? Like it was all so stupid and like... Um, and where did he get them? No one even talked right. about that. Right. It's like uh, the only thing that made made a lot of sense is just sort of the gay porn magazine. Right. You know, it's right. like, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. I like that there was mascara too. <laughs> mascara. So but like mascara, like what like he's a cross dresser because gay people <laughs> in the eighties would have worn mascara out in public, you know, right. as a goth statement with their black eyeliner. That's you know, right. It just, it I think no it was sense. a very no. like understanding of like gay culture from like a straight aspect, which is like, you know, it's always the effeminate parts we notice or like whatever. But like really when you get down to it, it's like gay men like men, they love hair. They want right. you to not shave your butt crack. Right. Like, go to the gym, like get them bicep. Like, yeah. Yeah, like not Kurt, always. Curtain Ram, but doing the whole punch it out and like constantly no, touching no, each that other. Is, no, gay. that's gay. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's what's gay. Exactly. But that flower bag was you, like, you ask yourself, like, is the writer, and I think what the writer was doing was in on the joke and oh, sure. saying, these people of this town are so stupid and yeah. so homophobic that these things read as gay. Which he did keep you saying. Know? He's like, it's Ohio. Yeah, you exactly. Even touch exactly. mineral water and you're obviously right, exactly. <laughs> in the musical, it's a big scene. Oh, it's it is? Big, okay. big scene. Yeah. And there's a whole number from the father. There's oh, a really? whole song really? called I Love My Dead Gay Son. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's a big number, yeah. You wait just a minute, Paul. It is ignorant, hateful talk like yours that makes this world a place our boys could not live in. They were not dirty. They were not wrong. They were too lonely verses in the Lord's great song. Our boys were pansies, Bill. Yes! 
My boys are homosexual And that don't scare me none I want the world to know I love my dead gay son and I've been thinking, praying, reading some magazines And it's time we opened our eyes Well, the good Lord made the universe The Lord created man And I believe it's all a part of his gigantic plan I know God has a reason for each mountain and each flower And why he chose to let our boys get busy in the shower They were not dirty They were not brutes They were just two stray laces in the Lord's big boots Well, I never cared for homos much until I reared me one But now I've learned to Cherubim walk him and him And Jesus says it's cool They don't have crime or hatred There's no bigotry or cursing Just friendly fellows dressed up like Their favorite village person They were not dirty They just had flair They were two bright red ribbons In the Lord's long hair Well I used to see a homo And go reaching for my gun But now I've learned to Brave as hell, these boys they knew damn well. Those folks would judge them, they were desperate to be free. They took a rebel stance, stripped to their underpants. Paul, I can't believe that you still refuse to get a clue. After all that we've been through, I'm talking you and me in the summer of 83. That was one hell of a fishing trip. Judy Garland sings They live a playful afterlife That's fancy free and reckless They swing upon the pearly gates And wear a pearly necklace They were not dirty They were good men And now they're happy bear cubs In the Lord's big den Go forth and love each other now Like cowboys would have done We'll teach the world My dead gay son My son My son Dead gay son Oh, I was curious. Now, do you do archive recordings of your shows? Yes. Okay, good. I thought I saw a boom mic at the back of the audience yeah. and stuff. I just am happy to know that. That's all yeah. because, um, you know, a lot of people go, why don't you um, distribute them? It's like, because in the grand tradition of drag, you know, we're lip syncing to songs, you know, right, um, right. and once I, and, and that's fair use and protected for performance like this because of a tradition of it. Right. Um, but if I were distributing it it's for different. sale, I'd have to go and license, you know, well, Cunty from Kevin Aviance. Sure, Devil or, Inside. Know, all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, so, um, 
It's just somehow. not accessible. That's yeah. not happening. It's, it's a live just performance. Important, I feel yeah. like to tell people things like that sometimes where it's just like they don't even consider. Yeah. And there have been a few shows where I've done them where I'm like, okay, maybe with Drag Becomes Her, we could do it we can mm. write our own music and stuff i just i just haven't done it yet well it's, it's a <laughs> bit it's a of an undertaking you know it's I mean? a lot yeah but people yeah. do that with porn too they're like oh my god you guys should have better music like why does this music suck and i'm like ah, because yeah, it's, it's music's expensive free. yeah <laughs> exactly when i get that feeling i need sexual healing yeah right asshole and also the gross sounds of the other guy mauling uh, the other Heather in the background. And then another moment that I love. Eskimo. Just a simple classic Eskimo. <laughs> and I think it's the most Heather moment, really, of Heather Chandler and Chan Doherty's Heather, where it's like they will let men treat them like shit and then they will come back still proclaiming themselves like the top of the mountain. Yeah, like? and also there's this weird uh, sort of hunger for status and power, which is evidenced by the Remington party. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big deal to go to this college that no one knows about, but that's because it's on the, it's it's above high school. And remember, she was like, oh, Veronica, I thought you were over high school guys. Like, yes. right. That was it, such a thing when we were in high school as high school girls. Like, mm-hmm. high school boys were so threatened by the idea that you didn't fuck high school boys anymore. <laughs> Sylvia Sipple writes, this was the first time I saw Heathers. And wow, that's wonderful. And I'm excited to check out the musical soon, too. Just in case you haven't covered this in this episode, can you tell us about your relationship with the film when you first discovered it? I think we we got into that pretty uh, thoroughly. But uh, Cherry, when was the first time you saw it? God, so this was definitely, I mean, Heathers is shockingly normal, (laughs) despite the normal of it. So despite all the extra of it. So it's... mm, you feel like been, it's always been there. It would have been of. in the nineties, like uh-huh. cable movie style, probably with a couple important bits edited out <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of teen movies. So like everything, John Hughes, pretty in pink, all that extra breakfast club. And you know, it just goes from there. And I love the generational progression of John Hughes into this, mm-hmm. into mean girls and into beyond. Like I love a teen comedy. Yeah, a smartly written teen comedy is mm-hmm, pretty fab. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time I saw it was VHS. It was like right when it came out on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I watched it so many times, I burnt out on it, which right. is why I hadn't watched it in so long. I think this was the first time I saw it widescreen, actually. Wow. Which was a revelation in that, I mean, it looked fine on VHS. You know, it wasn't, it didn't look like ratty, but the set design. And the production. Ooh, I was going to say, um, yeah, okay, that's my favorite part. I'm Incredible. Sorry. The color yeah. coding. The color is, coding is so good and in that kitchen with the red. As someone who does set dressing and things like that, like that's exhausting. Like it's a lot of work. It's basically too. an art film in a lot it of ways. Is. It, it really absolutely elevated is. the. It really elevated what a high school dark comedy or just comedy could be. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of the surrealism and the art direction, and the music too. The, the music, music is like is, this dreamlike. Yeah. Great, and yeah. I honestly yeah. think that the teen comedy drama situation is a huge. It's one of the last bastions, like that high school moment before you go into like, I'm a career person. Now I have learned the concept of shutting the fuck up. (laughs) Like, you know, like it materially affects me whether I talk shit about people like it, like now I must change my character and I must adapt myself to be public appropriate is like a thing you do as an adult. But like in high school, you don't realize yet that the choices you make could affect you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of banging into that corner. (laughs) It's a very, very like raw ex you know expression 
Mm-hmm. So I get why the teen high school almost into the rest of your life sort of moment is so like compelling. But Heather's really broke new ground in in a way that like if you, you look at Heather's and you can see all the stuff that's been derivative of it, including oh, yeah. yes. the Netflix stuff, you know, Riverdale, Sabrina, like the shirt. Sure. Earlier. Okay, Riverdale yeah. reminds me so much of Heather's. It's like does of that Cheryl surrealist... not remind you of it's that? brilliant. <gasps> I think I mean in many ways I think Riverdale is a great example. Jawbreaker, obviously. Sure. Mean, mean yeah. girls. Mm-hmm. I mean but before Heather's it didn't exist. No. So they really were uh, there's nothing quite like it. And so Heather's really deserves a lot of credit for being um, wholly original mm-hmm. and groundbreaking, you know, and 100%. experimental in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And yeah. also uh, Betty and Veronica, named yeah. from the Archie comics. That. Yeah. There's they that nice were. That's right. I never thought about Isn't that, funny? that connection. But of course, yeah. And then Betty is Finn and Veronica Sawyer. So right. uh, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Right. I love all, all that I stuff. I love that. Yeah. And then they make Betty like this giant nerd and like, it's like Veronica slut story in a way where like suddenly she like gets a man and then but Betty actually is one of the behind. only other likable characters in the, sh- in the whole is. movie yeah, right? absolutely, like, yeah. she's the only yeah. good person she's one of the only yeah, her, maybe the Martha. only good person and Martha yeah. Yeah. yeah Betty is played by one of the Estevez clan oh really yeah I can't remember it's the sister of Charlie and, oh, and uh, Emilio yeah Sylvia goes on to say I suppose I'm more of the Mean Girls generation, which was great and quirky at times, but the dark and surreal side to Heather's is so much more wild, and I enjoyed seeing a bitchy high school girls film that doesn't fit in the familiar safe mold that's so common these days. Well, this is one of the things I love about Movie Club. I'm really happy to introduce people to stuff like this. And then Sylvia wanted to know, are there any similar films that you'd like to recommend to those of us born a little bit too late to have seen them back then? Well, that's a good question. Mm. I would say the early films of Greg Araki, especially uh, Nowhere and Doom Generation, Mm -hmm. you know, would be if you want sort of a punk rock, irreverent look at young people. What else? Yeah, I'm going to assume everyone's seen this, but not everyone has. But Hairspray and Crybaby, again, yeah, high true. school films. That yeah. Are just yeah. Totally. We actually did a Hairspray movie club. Yes. And we're and supposed to do a Crybaby one, remember? Yes, it's still coming. And yeah. if you do it with someone else, I'm fucking kill you, Greg. No, that's why. <laughs> no, it's all yours. It's all yours. I know. I, I value. <laughs> yeah, those, those are actually really good recommendations. They're very, you know, yeah. teen movies that kind of blew my fucking mind where it's like, it mm-hmm. only really focuses on the outcasts for the That's most right. part. And uh, the, all the characters as well are, are really thoroughly fleshed out, humanized, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, Iggy's character in Crybaby or whatever. They're, in another film or another director could have handled that in a very cartoony, like, haha, look at the old freak kind right, of way. Right. Yeah, like you don't, like people can watch the whole movie and be like, Iggy Pop was in that film. Right. Yeah. Other films too, which are not maybe they're maybe darker for sure, but great gritty teen films from the early '80s. The Boys Next Door with Charlie Sheen and Maxwell Caulfield, which is hair raising. It's great though. And Suburbia, the Penelope Spears film. Suburbia, really great. And there's another one from around that time that I'm drawing a blank on, but it's in that realm. Uh huh. Uh huh. And for a good fun one, check out Rock and Roll High School. Yes, and for a good fun one, because there's zero cultural value which one but i just love it um and since we mentioned bring it on is sugar and spice oh i haven't seen that (laughs) it's another cheerleader movie oh is it they're a cheerleading squad and the main cheerleader gets like teen pregnant and so then they rob a bank 
in order to like help her around the concept of the teen pregnancy and the whole thing it it came around like i want to say right after bring it on it's almost like a response to it it was right, like right. Oh, whereas bring it on was very wholesome sugar and spice was like a little bit trailer trash and right oh that's funny being from where i'm from it was just very attractive and it, it had um kirsten dunst who played the like pregnant sort of redneck like man she was loving again yes oh that's funny along the lines of teenagers dark and yeah. and surrealist is uh heavenly creatures if, oh if, my god if, yeah. so you know, good. if someone that hasn't seen that, that definitely really check it out good, yeah and that's kate winslet and yeah. um oh gosh uh, um she's great and i can't believe i can't remember her name she most recently was on castle rock the uh stephen king okay um, yeah multiverse tv show uh, Melanie Linsky. That's right, Melanie yes. Linsky. Yeah, she has a very. <laughs> you know, when you're like, oh my god, it's gonna drive me crazy <laughs> if I can't remember <laughs> her I'm name. Like Googling yeah. it, brought Melanie me a book. Linsky. Like, yeah, she's so great. And yes, Kate Winslet went on to have that giant career. Melanie Linsky really deserves to just be put in everything. She's yeah. always good. She's she great. And her does. voice is haunting. And again, with the teen movie, like I think it's um, interesting in the way because you join up with these young people who like. What you know about young people and kids is like their morality hasn't settled. And so right. like you're in this great area where you can be convinced to do crazy things with like not really considering the consequences. Whereas with the yeah, there's a like lot you of can't overlap there with yeah. Heathers. Yeah, yeah there really is. you can't play into that. You can't and it's even... a true story. That's right. the other the, unlike Heathers, you know, this is Heavenly Creatures is based on two real women who really did this thing and it's queer. It, it, you, it is. If you haven't seen it, you, you should check As it out. As a woman yeah. who loves women and many lesbians who don't really understand that a lot of these really close friendships you have as kids are um, uh, <laughs> sapphic. Full of uh, foreshadowing, <laughs> you know. Full of you don't, finger banging. And finger banging, which you say is for someone else, not you. Um, <laughs> it's complicated. But then you realize, like, you idolize all these female-female relationship, friendships, moments, because... <laughs> oops. Well, that reminds me also of another film that's not really great, but it's kind of important. Times Square uh, has certain elements of that that unfortunately were cut out by Robert Stigwood, which is curious. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in that. And uh, I think a lot of people like Courtney Love and oh, which reminds me, of course, and this is the last one of the recommendations, because this will be a movie club at some point. Ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. Oh, yeah. Fabulous, fabulous movie. Amazing movie. Totally great. And really influential on like Bikini Kill yeah. and loads of bands like that. Have you done The Warriors? Oh, my God, no. And I love that movie yeah. so much. That would be a great one. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that again sometime. Yeah, That'd yeah, be fun. Yeah. I love that. And the soundtrack. Amazing. James Remar. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Ricardo Franco, thank you for writing, but uh, your question is about the musical, and oh, you saw it. Oh, wow, so Ricardo saw the musical before the movie, which is interesting. Ah, yeah, that is interesting. Interesting, and Ricardo loved it, so I'm interested to see some footage on that. Casey Scott writes, my question, writer Daniel Walters says in his audio commentary that he feels the movie goes downhill after Curtin Ram's funeral, and that the first half of the film is the better half. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. It's that thing where the first half is so, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of reluctant to use this word because it's obnoxious, but it is so delicious in, in <laughs> sure. terms of the the pacing, the writing, mm -hmm. the sass, the wit, the action, yeah. the shock. And then there is this point, and, and I would say it's more like the last third. I would say the first two thirds are great, and then the third act becomes a bit 
more tedious. Sure. Um, After the, I think the dream yeah. sequence is the demarcation yeah. point, yeah. right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it makes so much sense, the clip that you showed where it's like the original ending was blank. And as a, you know, director storyteller, what I hear you saying is like, maybe the place where it dropped off is where we started rewriting. Right, <laughs> like right. Sure. After we started filming. Sure. You because know? then it becomes the chase for the bomb and everything, yeah. which is yeah. cool. There is this but it's moment you know, of difference where you're like, ooh, 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 ooh. a, a lot then, of movies this have this problem. Go? It's a normal yeah. problem. That's to true. Have. I have yeah. a problem. I yeah. always joke about the porns that I write. I'm like, I feel really good until we start fucking, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I don't really. I mean, I do. I mean, I do, but I don't. I, like at that point, I feel like does it not write itself? Like no. That resolution is hard. Well, they also kill off the really great characters. They do. So you've right. got the antagonists aren't really around for the third act. It's you true. know, it's it's like that thing where Heather Chandler is so awesome. Yeah. And then when yeah. she's gone, even though she comes back in the dream sequence, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, but the movie's missing something. It's yeah. the Star yeah, Trek is. problem, you know, yeah. as storytellers write about, it's like the Star Trek concept of the universe where like there is no conflict is great and all, but like you're trying to write a story there's no conflict like right. where do i go like who does what against who to get where like where is the right story where's the conflict john aguirre writes i'm so glad you're finally doing one of my favorite movies of all time well that's wonderful to hear john and we're happy about that too have any of you ever played croquet i have not have you ever played croquet i mean i, I think i smacked the ball once but that's about it yes i yeah. have i mean like we i think my grandparents had a croquet set and yeah. they would set it up sometimes and yeah, ironically, I just did this immersive um, haunted attraction over at the San Francisco Mint. The big immersive theatrical show is called Terror Vault, but we had this escape room experience, a zombie escape room experience called Apocalypse. And one of the challenges was modeled after Heather's. It was oh, a wow. whole, And we had Kesara, Sarah playing on this sort of a mutated <laughs> thing. We had skeletons wearing the Heather's costumes and you had to play croquet to get to the next room <laughs> you had to uh hit the croquet ball into a certain hole so that's great you know i have played croquet and then we actually did a whole croquet heather's homage as part of apocalypse that is truly amazing <laughs> i lived in england for almost four years and i've never played croquet i've never played that and and watching a younger person kind of observe it and be like what is this about who would do this i'm like hmm no, I get it. It's like lawn games for people who wear long skirts. <laughs> and it's kind of um, not like a society game. Yeah, I right? think that the way yes. they presented it in the, the movie was, this is what snotty cunts it's do what for the fun. Rich people do, you know, right. but it's not sense. really. Yeah. No. <laughs> Again, it, it plays to its surrealist. Cause exactly. It's not even something that in the late 80s, um, high school girls would have been doing right but isn't that so american that like us as a culture and trying to be like fancy we're like trying to emulate all this like european business which like actually europe is like <laughs> but that's what's great about the, the movie is it doesn't care right it's audacious and then basically ends on a shot of her being hit in the head with a ball yeah that's not a dream sequence it's an artistic device to get the story told from a narrator's point of view right that movie like when you really break it down it really was audacious it's oh yeah true. yeah and it started in every my way love affair with narration yeah oh yeah the narration's is. great and, and it's, it, it it you notice that it dips off yeah, there's yeah. a right. point. It's like it starts the movie and then it's just gone. Yeah, that's I right. I like that right. because I feel like so many people, and even I, I feel like in a story where if it's like I start with narration, I feel like 
I must continue, which is not right. true. You can no. do the intro and the outro and just be done. Let's see. Nora Pernefren writes, which characters were you all during your high school years? Which I think, Nora, we covered before, so I'm sorry we didn't get to your question then. But I think, what a mixture of, we'd like to think of Veronica. But yeah. probably the kids who were at the now table were... Now I want were, the Hot Talk Club to tell us who do you think we are, really. Everyone thinks they're Veronica. Everyone wants to think yeah. they're redeemable, but yeah. you tell us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm a, definitely a combination of the Veronica and then anyone in the movie that was bullied. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Same here. Mm-hmm. Like the kids at the table where the kid spits the milk. And I yeah. think so many people can see themselves as um, Shannon Doherty's Heather, where it's like you have this opportunity. Like your main rival is knocked out. What are you going to be? Who are you going to be? And right. then JD comes in and influences her. So, like, what would she be without his influence? Who knows? It's and, true. like, what are the people around you contributing to your worldview? Right. And also gassing you up to think, oh, this is fine for me to do. Yeah. Which is the other thing. There's a lot of that in the movie, too. JD's extremely manipulative. Oh, yeah. And uh, people are just falling for it left and right. Right. Which is- and then he blows people up for that ostensible reason that they're horrible people, even though he goes around and gaslights half of them into being horrible. That's right. <laughs> then yeah, he he's uses creating that the as situation. reason to be crazy. Yeah. yeah. Kelster PDX writes, hello, all. So excited you chose probably one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Well, we're happy, too. The original Mean Girls, with the hottest guy in Hollywood when I was growing up, Christian Slater. This and Pump Up the Volume are hands down his finest work to date. Well, don't discount cuffs. I'm curious if Peaches ever did a parody of Heather's, and if so, I would hope that it would be revived. And if not, um, when can we expect it? Because it's screaming for your Peaches magic. <laughs> <laughs> so we've done uh, Heather's at midnight. Well, for years and years and years at Midnight Mass, I wanted to do Heather's. And the rights to the movie were in limbo wow, um, weird. there was some sort of a uh, legal battle this happened a lot with certain movies where they were made before you know certain um i don't Medias know to, or... yes and like companies would fold the theatrical rights were in dispute and they couldn't anyway whatever it finally got figured out yeah. and uh we ended up being able to do it at midnight mass but this was back in the day where some of my shows were straight up parodies and some were more tributes and so we did a heather's tribute there was a performance but it wasn't a full-on uh parody yeah so that being said I, we have celebrated it we have presented it we've done a show around it but i would love someday to do a Heather's a drag parody. That'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. I'd like to do a mashup of all three is kind of a, an idea I've talked to some friends about where we yeah. do sort of a mashup where it's the Heather's Jawbreaker Mean Girls universe. That'd you be know? fantastic. Yeah. 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 Kind of one big high school. I love that. Yeah. Actually, yes. Kelster also writes, what are all your favorite quotes and scenes from the movie? And I think we covered that, but Kelster's are, did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Followed by, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Do I look like Mother Teresa? And of course, I love my dead gay son. Really, too many to list. But you know what? I have a clip of the last one that you list here, and we're going to have to hear that because we didn't yet. I got you into a Remington party. What's my thanks? It's on the hallway carpet. I got paid in puke. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. That's one of my favorites. We internalize misogyny of that moment because she comes out of having her own personal shit fucking experience and comes and rolls that shit downhill to like some other woman who's (laughs) had her own shit experience. Yeah. 
And then yeah, blaming I mean, the her. only reason it's they're allowed real. at that party is because they're supposed to be giving blowjobs. Yeah, I mean, really, right. that's what that's what that are. is. Yeah. What else do we invite high schoolers to this exactly. party? Exactly. They're conning them, using them, thinking that it's yeah. some kind of prestige thing. Yeah. And he knows that she's just going to recruit one of her other friends to come and uh, do and the isn't dirty. And that just a commentary on all these kids who are just at this level of like, you know, maybe consider as you go yeah. to these college parties? For me, fuck me gently with a chainsaw mm-hmm. is maybe the most. Um, yeah. 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 I remember what, watching that movie over and over again. And finally, my father repeating that line <laughs> in this way to like try to shock me or something. But he he was actually kind of like appalled by the line, <laughs> like what they were saying, you know. I do like this. Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? <laughs> so good. I love that. And then, of course, I don't think we heard the clip. So fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Yeah. So good. Again, I like music. Um, it'll give her shower nozzle masturbation material. For <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> real. That's like real. that's a reason to do it. Like, come on. It's it's good <laughs> it's, for her. It's good for her. Right. This is healthy. <laughs> yeah. Then our last listener question is from Lydia Languish, who writes, One of my favorite films. I think it has received criticism in recent years for being tone deaf about suicide, school shootings, etc. Do you think the film stands the test of time? Also, what's your damage, Heather? Well, I mean, we touched on this before, but I definitely think it stands the test of time. I'm like, is it tone deaf or is it just painting the picture that we should have learned like fucking years ago? Yeah, I like, agree. This has been a thing forever. We have been setting up these people to feel angry, disillusioned, misunderstood, discriminated against like all this time and we do nothing to change it. So I don't know. Do, do we not deserve it? Yeah, I think in a way it's actually not tone deaf no, because right. it actually was it had its finger on the pulse of uh well, well there's a couple things about it that i think are important one it's written um in a way where the writer and the filmmakers clearly respect young people yes you because they treat them Judy. yes they treat them as complicated you know in your face type you know folks in, yeah. in a way that we often only limit to adult content it's sure and like jd is the villain but you see why you see him being mistreated by his dad and being indoctrinated by all these shitty ideas and like and, and in the end he's just emulating but yeah and is that yeah. not the lesson that, for that, racism we're just emulating completely. and discrimination like holy shit and that is so john waters well and the other thing that i think about as well is that it gave teenagers and people like myself the freedom to experience content that was dark comedy. Yeah. So what we now have is a culture saying you can't present suicide in this way. You're not allowed to present suicide in this way. It has to be done seriously. Yeah. It has to, we have to have a psychiatrist look at this script and, we, and it's like, mm, I don't agree with that. I actually think that's tone deaf. I yeah. think teenagers, young people, they understand the severity of suicide, Yeah. but they also need to be able to play with it and, and, and laugh about it. Yeah. And uh, I know that sounds strange, but I, I honestly think that there's something really great about it and it, it's not movies like heathers that led to columbine no I mean, that's not no what we're if dealing anything, with i feel like heathers made it feel like that experience was normal and happening to everyone even exactly. heather chandler who was popular was tortured even jd who was very rejecting and like anarchist and like ostensibly didn't care actually felt rejected like even veronica who was like a good person was actually swayed by popularity well, like kind of the ul- ultimate at the end is you realize for every character high school is hell yes you know and that's yes. kind of the overarching like yes. you know there isn't a single so student that isn't i think that's what tortured. we can leave yeah. with yeah. 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 Being yeah. like 
you know, we feel like we were the band kids, we were the geeks, we were whatever. We feel maybe we leave feeling like the popular kids had some kind of easy. No one had an easy ride. Well, that's that, right. That, that shot that's of her accurate. spitting in the mirror. Yes. Yeah, you know that was there for a I'm reason. I'm doing this and I hate High myself. High school is hell. Yeah. She had an image to maintain. She had to stay on top. So she went to that party so that she could get into the party. But she knew that she had to do stuff she didn't want to do. And from yeah. that moment, she left that moment to go to Veronica to fucking slut shame her. <laughs> to well, get for, her because to do Veronica the things that she was had doing. had more self-respect. That's which right. was really challenging for her. Right, exactly. Yeah. Horrifying for yeah. her. Threatening. There's nothing tone deaf about. I'm sorry. There's nothing but tone and no tone deaf in my opinion. I couldn't agree more. And the other thing that I love about it is that it shows the glibness with which, for instance, the hippie teacher embraces uh, the up with people treatment of the suicide thing as a way for her to get attention and TV time. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, that, that, California. That's a powerful moment. Like that teacher. Holy shit. The adult hypocrisy in the film oh, yeah. is, is very again the parental it's that veronica's thing. parents ignoring her like yeah that social counselor like you know using it for her own gain like, yeah the jd's dad being the shit fuck he what like yeah. every person's yeah. parents were just contributing and then all the teachers who were just kind of looking at it like oh should we do a half day well i could give it a half a uh, half day is or full really day if it's a cheerleader like, maybe if yeah. she was a cheerleader <laughs> amazing. maybe if she was popular yeah. we could give a shit but yeah. amazing no. dialogue yeah and kurt and ram get a full day i take yeah. it back a yeah. kind of iconic moment that moment yeah. <laughs> being like, well, maybe if she's a cheerleader <laughs> that's not an iconic so good let's talk emotions um heather and i used to go out but she said i was boring but now I realize I really wasn't boring. It's just that she was dissatisfied with her life. <laughs> yeah. Too real. <laughs> so I think that's it for everything. And, uh, well, I want to thank you uh, both for participating in the Heather's Movie Club. And thank you for suggesting it. Absolutely. For Movie Club. Yeah, I was yeah. really happy when you mentioned that. One of that. my favorites. It's so good. And I've loved the discussion that we've had about it. Great. So thank you, all Movie Club. And we'll see you soon for the next one. Yay. Yay. One, two, three, four, one. Yeah. Okay. Don't do it. Don't try it. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. You got a good thing going on.
little bit of tension You got it Need some affection You got it Suicide, suicide, suicide bit Suicide, suicide, suicide bit Suicide Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it bit Don't do it, don't do it, don't Do it Don't put your neck on the line Don't drown on me, babe Blow your brains out Don't do that, yeah Don't do that You got a good thing 